Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here we go, here we go. Yes, welcome back, everyone. Another episode of A Little More Good dropping in your earlobes today. Bringing the news to the people. Mm-hmm. We're bringing some some news. I don't some know. News. Do we have news? I don't even know if we have news. There's always, I mean, there's always news. There's always things to share. Yes, things that we're we're up to. We're you know, sneakily creating in the world to do fun things yep. for good people. Yep, for good purposes. Yes, and we have a great great guest. I say this every week, but this was one of my favorite conversations. Well, I think we're so spoiled. Like we have had such amazing people to sit and chat with. And lots of times, even after like the mic, you know, or we hit, we hit record and we kind of put the mics away. It's like the the post and pre-pod conversations. It's just, we're, we're always like, wow, this is such a gift to be able to do this. And then ultimately like it just extends the gift to be like, we can share this with everyone else. But I feel like we're like the immediate beneficiaries of the ability to have these amazing guests which are all unequivocally our favorite a little more selfish to hang out (laughs) with inspiring people like i always go back to like uh that quote you're the sum you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and we're like surrounding ourselves um with the intention of creating you know content that inspires good with all of these amazing you know inspirational leaders and uh yeah after every podcast i'm just like so lit up so yeah great grateful for being able to have these conversations yes and not only is it like the people that we sit down with to talk to but we have found that through the medium of the platform like it's really cool to hear and get messages on social media or just like text or whatever from friends dm saying uh hey listen to it like really impacted me or made me think or like shared this one with some friends like that that we can't it's hard to communicate how much that means to us because when we're doing this we do it because we love it and we're passionate about it and we want to share and we we think like there's some something of value here but when we hear from you um 
people who are listening. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. that like people are listening and then that it's having an impact or causing us to think or pivot or try something new and, and share an episode with a friend. So just can't express how much gratitude we have for all of you. And yeah, even the cool things like the partnerships that we've already connected beyond the conversations, like with uh, Stephen and the Planted Expo crew. Oh yeah, that's, that's Jam on Planted Expo. Um, our first sponsor, Planted yeah. Expo, super stoked. I mean, one, it's been a while since there's been events. Yes. Two, it's a plant-based event. The best kind of event. Showcasing the leading plant-based um, you know, creators uh, from the, the food and beverage uh, marketplace really across Canada, but mostly Western Canada um all in one place so whether you're um you know a curious consumer whether you're a retailer um this is gonna be an event that you don't want to miss because there'll be so many cool products yeah no it's really great uh it's happening here in vancouver as you said zach uh and the dates just in case you haven't heard or are coming back and are like what was that again planted expo Vancouver. It's November 20th and 21st this year, 2021. It'll be great. It'll be great. You can get your tickets online at plantedlife.com slash Vancouver. If you want to check it out, we highly recommend it. Zach and I will be there sampling. There's going to be samples. I want to have some um yum, some blue hair and cheese, some Kula foods, some kitchen buck milk. Have you had buckwheat milk? That's pretty no, crazy. No, I haven't had Damn. that. I'm like a pretty, I'm a pretty uh, like oat milk yeah. centric kind of character, but I suppose I, yeah. could, buck, I could expand my buck horizons. Milk. I mean, I know almond milk gets a hard wrap for uh, the water use that goes into mm-hmm. almonds, which, you know, might be merited. Uh, but buckwheat, uh, low water use, high environmental, uh, low environmental impact and high nutrient content. Could be, could be the next thing. Could be could. the next oat milk. Okay, I'm open. I'll try it. Um, yeah, there's so many, so many amazing um, vendors, exhibitors that'll be there. So there'll be tons to take in, expand your horizons of all the things you can eat and consume and participate in uh, that are plant based. There you go, vegan products. And uh, maybe best of all, I don't know. Might be sampling the food. That's best of all. But there's some A list, and I mean like A plus plus list speakers coming in to be a part of this we've got john lewis the badass vegan and we've got the vegan oprah rich roll yeah it's gonna be really good looking forward to a chance to hear from those people as well and just their knowledge their stories uh, inspiring people doing great things in the world oh yeah so check it out plantedlife.com slash vancouver for all the info Yep, get and, your tickets. Uh, yeah, we'll see you there. And they're not even expensive. It's like what twenty five bucks or so to to go. It's like cheapest ticket in town. It's a good. It's a good ticket. Yeah, twenty five bucks. Saturday and Sunday, ten to five each day at the Vancouver Convention Center, which is like also one of the greenest um, buildings in Vancouver. There which is go. just it all lines up. All the good. So good. All the goodies. Yeah. So be sure to check them out. All right, so who do we got on the pod this week, Dean? All right, well, it's an exciting one. It's a great conversation. I think it even kind of took us by surprise in some of the directions it went. Um, it's, a, it's a friend of ours. I can say that now, right? He's like, we, yeah. we met him again kind of through Insta and all that as we do so many my times. My new best friend. No pressure, Sean, but yeah. uh, we'll put, I'm, I'm calling you that, my new best friend. That's right, the one and only Sean <laughs> Hamilton. So 
Sean is a very interesting guy. If you check him out on Instagram, it's me, Sean Hamilton. You will see a pretty swaggy, tattooed runner. Uh, crop top cowboy. Yeah, the crop top cowboy. He's repping lots of Hoka, lots of CLA athletics gear, and just is like, you know, a styly cat. Um, but beyond that, beyond the kind of like running aesthetic and that he is a very, very accomplished, capable, speedy runner, uh, there's a man that is uh, deeply poetic, very, very thoughtful. Um, he's a writer. He's written written one book and has one forthcoming. It's in the works. But the one that he's written is uh, Running Through the Woods, The River Gentle on My Mind. And it was birthed out of... Uh, a place of kind of reflection and solitude uh, and he gets into it on the pod, but um, yeah, just a really, really deep thinker. And it was so fun to sit down and chat with him. I don't know. what. Yeah. I'm like excited to have round two with the guy. I mean, I, I yeah. feel like we were just hitting, hitting uh, stride, getting those paces in. Yeah. Um, but we'd been podding for a while. So we kind of landed, landed the ship, but uh, I think this will be the first of, uh, many conversations and perhaps uh, future collaborations. Yes. Uh, you know, one conversation leads to another and let's see what's possible. Yeah. We always, we always want to keep that growth mindset. Yep. What's next? What's new? What can we do? Right. And uh, with Sean, it's great. Cause like I said, he's, he's this uh, runner, poet, stoic philosopher, all these wonderful things rolled into one great human package. So yeah, we hope that you really enjoy it. And uh, if you have someone who's ever had like a solitude experience or you yourself have had one, uh, this, this might just like bring you back to that place, hearing some of Sean's story. And as always, just uh, if something stands out to you, flip this to a friend, have them listen to it. So you can go for a run or a walk or a coffee or a tea and talk about it and just go deep in your own lives right it's not just about hearing the conversations but it's about participating and creating them so without any further ado we give you the legendary sean hamilton welcome to the podcast sean a little more good here we go thanks for having me yeah today we got uh sean hamilton our our newest our newest pal in real life i feel like uh connected connected followed you on instagram i don't know like a while ago yeah. and like Zach and I are always just like sharing cool people, cool profiles back and forth. People that are like, this seems like a rad person to either like have a conversation with or just is doing cool stuff, putting cool stuff out into the world. And I think, I think the first time I saw like something you were up to was either through like CLA or, um, Hackstow, the legend I himself. Can. Yes. Yes. So I think he like shared something and Anyway, I was like, this guy looks rad. You know, you follow the Instagram rabbit trail, come to your profile, like look at him like, oh, cool. He's like a runner. And then I think I saw that you were like Vancouver based, at least for the moment. Um, and was like, this is, this is rad. This is very cool. And so it's, you know, that was whatever, maybe a year or so ago. Uh, this, this kind young man here, Zach, for my birthday, uh, brought me a copy of your book for for my birthday so that was really cool as well as the long distance mag so some you know a meaningful thought uh meaningful thoughtful gift but mm -hmm. it was really cool to kind of be able to reach out to you and like connect with you now this way and talk all things sean hamilton from running to your poetry to what life looks like for you now some of the goals vision dreams hopes for the future and and kind of like what you're all about 
Yeah, no, I love uh, I love talking about all good things, whether or not they uh, directly relate to me and what I'm doing. Um, I definitely feel like this community that we're in, um, you know, in the running and wellness and creative space, you know, everything to do with running non elite yeah um is a really really cool and welcoming space right now so these connections happen very organically whether that's through social media and dms or from someone else sharing something of someone's um or in real person in real life you know in person when you're out for a run or run clubs uh, and it's this this community that um has brought us all together and so situations like this it's always just great to to chat and, and make those connections and, and you never know who that leads you to meeting in a different place, location, city, uh, with a different crew at a different race and yeah. or in a different way that, I mean, again, this non-elite category really, really breathes this life of, you know, it's, it's, there's no rules. So people are creating in this space. People are doing fun, unique, pushing limits, uh, you know, things, yeah. um, in all these ways that, that I think, because there's no pressure of competition outside of your own personal goals. Um, It's a very explorative space and and we get to have these kind of interesting conversations and these dynamics of, of how we meet other people and build that community has been really, really rewarding. So I love stuff like this. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's so good. And even, even just seeing like, um, like you said, following along, seeing people like digitally and then the different connections we have, like you, you have been running this cool thing, uh, with some people that like we know mutually as well through like the Vancouver running scene. So Ryan Chilibeck, yeah, right. Great guy does a ton for like races, but also just with Eastman run crew and yep. getting people out and running. And you guys have this thing called like the dark starts. Yes. And then I saw Nikki, Nikki Larson Nick, yeah. came out with you guys yeah. too, which I was like, Oh man, all of these people that are like connections and then seeing just like awesome stuff. So what, what's uh, I don't know. To me, it seems like such an awesome in terms of that creative space and explorative space and running the dark starts thing that you guys have been doing. If people don't know about it, yeah, what's, what's that all about? Yeah. So the skinny on that is that basically, um, we have, uh, I have a friend of mine who I ran with for years and, and knew from Toronto and him and I both moved or ended up in Vancouver around the same time. Him, uh, uh you know, a decided move and me a result of the COVID-19 pandemic starting and, and being, in Mexico city at the time and in LA and, and kind of necessity brought uh, me back here, but, uh, he's a big, um, backcountry snowboarder, um, really strong runner as well, but he definitely enjoys his backcountry time. And, um, that's kind of the whole MO is that, you know, if you start when it's dark, that's how you get the best riding in, you know, you get up there and you get the whole day of riding. First track. Yeah, yeah, and and you don't lose, you know, like it takes a considerable amount of time to get up to where you're actually going to go. So the payoff is is that you start when it's dark, you know, you're getting the most amount of quality riding in and and a longer amount of time on the mountain. Yeah. So we kind of were jamming on that and it was just him and me and uh his name's Graham and then another buddy Kyle. Um we're all, you know, forming this bond with Graham and I being new to the city, um, and both him and I having our own running goals and, and, you know, fairly quiet time with COVID starting. Um, so it was still putting up decent mileage, but had like this unique autonomy of, you know, long runs on the weekend suddenly weren't, you know, five by three at marathon pace with, you know, 10 minutes easy. And then 
strides and blah, blah, blah. There's no prescribed long. It's like, I think for months on end, like my, my plan was like hour and a half to two hours, like find somewhere fun to do it. Yeah. Like, which is great and, and very, um, unique if, if you, you know, if you're a runner and you have these blocks, having a big chunk of time where there's no real prescribed pace place, you know, anything like that is, is scary, but also freeing. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to basically take this concept and explore a place that was new to us, like uh, Vancouver specifically, but all around the greater Vancouver area. Um, and so we decided basically the plan was to go and pick a new trail every week on the weekend and, you know, start real early so that we're getting to the trailhead, you know, just before sunrise or at sunrise getting in, you know, quality long run on the trails, kind of forgetting pace and, 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 you know, no prescription, like I said, of what to really get out of it besides, you know, we're going to go spend the next two hours exploring these trails and post up after, you know, we brought the first time, I think we just brought like a, a jet boil, um, like a little camp stove and, and just made some coffee and we all like our little to go mugs and we just sat around the parking lot and we're kind of the first few times we did this, we're just like, oh man, this is like a really great kind of tradition and there's like a lot of really nice elements to this that you know you just forget about when again you're just going out for a sunday long run in a marathon build and all you think about is x y and z yeah um and it became this like oh like we started firing like all trails links around during the week and we start to get more and more excited about it and it just kind of grew you know we invited uh i think ryan was one of the first that we invited out we were out near him in port moody yeah and uh we're just like hey man like just come like you know we we rip an hour and a half to two hours and then we drink coffee in the parking lot after you know like camp coffee out of the back of cars <laughs> especially like when covid numbers were like 10 person at max outside yeah we're like yeah it's just like the four of us let's just like grip a coffee in the parking lot talk about all things good after a run and it's 9 a.m and you're heading home yeah like, what what could be better tough sell totally <laughs> right um and then dan um one of our our really good friends here um who works for cla I was like, hey, this would be kind of like a cool story angle. Um, I had just came back, obviously, a few months prior to writing um, Running Through the Woods. And I had written for some other publications. And, and he's like, hey, man, like, we should do a story, you know, for the journal behind this. So he came out, snapped some photos. Um, I wrote a little bit of a piece about it. And long and short of that is he just kind of got hooked. And yeah. so, you know, and all of a sudden we had Ryan, we had Dan, this group started to like really form into this, you know, group chat again, all trails, all these things mm-hmm. were like clicking and everyone was like had an opinion. And all of a sudden we had two burners now and more <laughs> yeah. coffee and, you know, we we're joking around like we're going to need a slush fund for beans. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so good. And, and, and it just, again, like it just kind of kept growing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this summer we had like our first like dark starts barbecue where, um, you know, you run from, we did like North Van and, and you end at Deep Cove. Um, and then we all went to, to Dan's yard and, you know, just like looking at the crew and all of a sudden with partners and everything, you know, there's 18, 19, 20 of us. And you're just like, this thing has grown so organ- organically. Absolutely. But it's also, I feel like almost anybody who comes out to it and experiences, um, you know, the whole ethos of it just being about like sure like maybe some of us run different paces especially now with with races coming up um obviously we just did speed project and a large chunk of the two teams that we sent were from this dark starts kind of crew yeah 
but you know, a lot of us have different marathons coming up. So, you know, now if we go to demo forest road, um, the reality is, is like, you know, I'll break off for a working segment and two or three people will join me for half of it or whatever they have on the books and another 10 people will be back or five people will be back. But the reality is, is like we start and everyone does what they have to do. And then we're all there hanging around in the parking lot after drinking coffee. And, you know, the group chat is now so much more than yeah. just like where we're going on the weekend. It's like everything from, hey, I got a workout on this to like or you know, have you seen, you know, so-and-so is dropping this new shoe or it's become this like full on family. And this group chat is as much as I joke about before we started this, making sure my phone is on silent. (laughs) Um, it's one of those ones that, you know, you leave for a couple hours and you could be like, Oh my God, there's 75 (laughs) messages. I'm so behind. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also this incredible community that I, I feel like no one, um, really knew what to like think about it. Yeah. Um, or like put any, you know, parameters on it but now it's just organically grown into this thing where almost everybody that comes and does it um always comes back yeah that's great do you, do you find with those dark starts too like there's so much intention with the way you're starting your day um with getting up early when it's still dark going for a run do you find that intention carries through the rest of your day like you've you've kind of supercharged your day in a way yeah, I feel like that's something that's very, uh, us runners, you know, we're very, very aligned with that. A lot of runners, I shouldn't say all, um, it, it was only a few years ago that I made the switch from, you know, running always seven, eight, nine o'clock at night to yeah. running five thirty, six, six thirty yeah, in yeah. the mornings. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that like a lot of people that, haven't run you know university or anything like that can align with that a lot more just being an evening runner post work whatever that may be um but i feel like there is a the secret time of day you know and and i've taken that outside of dark starts and outside of my own running um and really really shifted my perspective on what the morning actually can be yeah um but i do feel it was you know tied into the fact that we get up We'd run a trail, we'd have a cup of coffee, you know, kind of like have these great chats when you're kind of half bagged, you're tired, you're, you know, you're just like sometimes wet and cold, especially in the winter months of running here and, you know, wonderful (laughs) Vancouver area. Um, But, you know, you get home and it's 9.45. Yeah. like, I got two hours in the bag on like a beautiful trail. I watched the sun come up or, you know, whatever, if it was raining, you know, I sat in the the parking lot and my clouds got brighter a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) But like, you know, you put on dry clothes and you stand in the parking lot and you have a cup of coffee with, with three, four, five, now 10 people that you've, you know, slogged it out with for two hours. And it's so funny that you still find things to talk about. Yeah. You still have this like, sense of accomplishment that yeah. you know i'm a firm believer and i know there's like lots of studies on this but people that suffer together form quicker and closer bonds and i feel like that's what happens with these these dark starts so um the morning has definitely you know shifted my mind of like what it can hold in terms of value but um yeah there's just something about getting back from from you know especially like dark starts um now that we're doing more like long marathon run focused um, cool. training ones and all doing them you know at whatever separate paces and, and distances but you know you get home and you're just like oh man like it's 9 30 and i've ran 30k <laughs> i've had a coffee with seven of my closest friends yeah 
and the whole day is mine. The whole day is ahead yeah. of you still. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, something magic eh, about that early morning time. Like it's like a secret little time that, you know, especially, you know, we all got jobs that email us and, and, you know, that I feel like with a lot of us working from home, those lines of on and off are blurred and for better or for worse, like I find it quite freeing to have autonomy of your own schedule. But the reality is, is that, you know, half of my team is on the East coast or, you know, someone's emailing you from a different part of the world and you just kind of realize you're like, Oh, like I could always technically kind of be on, kind of be off that I'll check my email at five 30 in the morning when I get up or five 15, if we're doing a really early dark start or something. And maybe there is something, but I know in my mind, I'm like, no one's expecting anything from me at this point. Yeah. And I'm sure that a lot of the people with families, um, a couple of our, our crew, you know, they have young families, same thing. It's like you get up and like the whole house is asleep and the whole world's still probably asleep. And even, even the people on the East coast, like no one really expects anything from you. Um, you know, at eight fifteen, their time is five fifteen years. So it's just, this is secret little, yeah. like this is whatever I want to carve out and make it. And you can really set these unique intentions that you can't really the rest of the day. And I also find that the fatigue that comes with the rest of the day, um, if I put something off that I would normally do in the morning, let's say journaling or reading, um, for me, like I try to incorporate some reading of whether that's philosophy or, you know, anything that's going to be motivational, I have to do in the morning because in my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like when I get home, when I get home from this or I get off this like zoom call or, you know, after this, like when I get home, I'll, I'll do that at night. And the reality of it is, is like you kind of get worn down by the whole day and the, you know, the whole point of, of, you know, doing those types of things is that I want to make myself a better, well-rounded human mm. and I don't have the bandwidth at the end of a day for that. So this secret little quiet yeah, time yeah. in the morning, if I set that intention to do something like read or write, meditate, um, or foam roll, which, you know, we could all do more <laughs> of, oh, man, you know, yeah. activations, whatever it may be that I feel is like going to serve me to be better, more well-rounded, kinder, softer, whatever I need in that moment. Yeah. It kind of has to happen in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that's just become such a, a part of me now is that it's the only time it's going to really a happen, but b stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same doing it, you know, at 6 PM as it is at 6 AM or earlier. It's just cause you say you're tired, you're worn down, you're distracted. You got other things on the go, depending on your situation, but mm -hmm. to get up early, uh, you can, you can crank out a lot of stuff and somehow it feels like, uh, you know, we, we probably can all relate. There's never enough time, right? It feels like, Oh my God, how is it this time already? How is it this time? Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, in the times when I've gotten up to be productive or whatever, those morning windows, it seems like time is slower. Yeah. Money, like, money in the bank of the currency yeah. of your own self-development. Totally. Yeah. Know. Totally. That's a great way to put it. And I think that you just kind of have to acknowledge the fact that it's hard to get up in the morning. Yes. But Once the reward is so great yeah. that it becomes, again, like anything else. Like it's hard to run mile repeats. It's hard to do a long run with a workout based. It's hard baked in it. It's hard to do you know, come back to running after four weeks off or yeah. um, two months off or whatever. It's hard to do a lot of things, yeah. but 
you know, this is one of those things where like the juice is so evidently worth the squeeze. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that again, you know, you try to perceive the value of how, for me, the biggest thing is, is, you know, like, sure. I could go home at eight o'clock after like a long day of work and, and met up with a friend and did this and that and, and try to read through, you know, uh, a chapter of, of, a, of a book that I feel is going to help again, you know, let's call it philosophy, like study some philosophy, um, or read, you know, Mary Oliver poetry, you know, yeah. whatever that may be. And I catch myself, like kind of like powering through it as if it's some chore. Yeah. And you know, what am I really retaining? So it, it's like, am I just going through the motions at that point? And it's like, should I just acknowledge that my bandwidth is less at the end of a highly stimulating day? Because the reality of it is we all live overstimulated lives. And I feel like there's this quiet hum to morning. Yeah. To a very early morning that is so uniquely your own space, time, however much you want to put into it. But it, it is, you know, you're calm. I find I'm calm, you know, it's quiet. There's no expectations. There's a lot less pull, yeah. a lot less static. So I can, you know, get the benefit of, you know, reading poetry, reading philosophy, writing in a journal, reflecting, whatever that may be. Yeah. I actually feel like I'm getting value out of it where at night I'm just kind of like, well, if I can fit this in, like, am I getting anything? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, you it's know, not the, I quit it's not it to the same. junk miles, you know? Yeah, okay. Like yeah, miles yeah. where you're just like, cool, I've ran a hundred kilometers this week and <laughs> you know, I somebody invited me out for an easy run. It's like, are those five, seven extra K like on shredded legs, super tired when I probably should just like have a good meal and go to bed? Foam roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, is that worth it? Or is this the junk miles of of, you know, self development? And I mean like a lot of people have far busier lives than me and probably can use that time to get ahead on, you know whether they're pursuing a, you know, a master's while being a full-time parent or whatever that may be. I just think that your bandwidth is so much stronger at that time that, you know, it just kind of gets absorbed that much more. Yeah. I wonder if the secret to it is that you had said a couple of times, like there's no, there's no expectation because so much of the rest of the day is like, you know, good or bad. Schedule that we're connected. For. Yeah, right. And just like the, the the instant message is like one of the reasons why I, <laughs> I opt for an Android phone is because there's no green circle, right? Yeah. In the iPhone world. And I was yeah. like, wait, 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 wait. When that when they changed that messaging system, like however long ago it was, a long time ago, I think I had an iPhone four at the time. I was like, I don't I don't want that. I don't want you to know that I've read it. Like what if I need ten minutes, twenty minutes, an hour yeah. to think about a response? I don't you know, and now I like the irony is I use WhatsApp with a lot of people and it's like the double blue, <laughs> yeah. the double blue check, check, check of death. Yeah. But the expectation that like we're on, we can respond, we can be gettable all the time in the morning. It's like people, people either aren't up or they're not expecting you. Mm-hmm. And so there is that capacity and freedom in that. I think, uh, I think it's so good. I just think uh, too, you know, kind of circle back, like, um, so a couple cool things. If you haven't checked out the, the CLA journals, they do a killer job of capturing like great aesthetic, cool stories, great mm-hmm. vibes. So check them out. And then they did feature you guys with the dark starts, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've done uh, two pieces for them. I'm working on a third right now. And I'm working on some other stuff with Dan and the, the CLA squad. But uh, they they did, uh, Dan came and brought his camera and he's a very, you know, talented amateur photographer. Yeah. But he's also shot, you know, product shots for CLA. Like I've done a couple um, product shoots with them and, you know, our crew 
you know, we're not wearing ads and, and it's the stuff that they use for their actual catalog. And yeah. so Dan, Dan's quite talented in that regard, but, uh, we paired up, you know, his kind of photojournalism with, uh, a bunch of pros that I had written, um, kind of centered around again, that ethos of like an early morning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the, one of them is definitely like, you know, there's a specific hum to an early morning, um, that, I go into further detail about, but, uh, it, it definitely is tied to that feeling Super of cool. just being up and like that hush and that quiet and just, you know, all these parked cars under like the halo of, you know, streetlights and, and no one else is there. Yeah. And it's just like this, this feeling is this intangible thing that it's, uh, it, it's, you know, charming in its own right. If you can lean into it, a lot yeah. of people think about it as this horrifying thing. They're like, you yeah. got up at four forty-five to get up and run in the rain. Like, what is wrong with you? But There's like, a lot of people who are like, you lost me at running, let alone like <laughs> yeah. setting an alarm on a Saturday morning and totally. getting up at what hour? Like, yeah. but that's the magic. You know, you said if uh, if things things that are hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're hard, but those are the things that are so often like so worth it, right? And you like nothing in life that is worth anything Mm -hmm. comes easy absolutely and so you know i think a lot of us we live pretty we we live pretty uh, charmed lives pretty comfortable as you know we all have our we all have our stuff but like as north americans generally on the whole it's like wow you're complaining about that have you watched the news yeah like and so for us to be able to participate and enter into something where it is like i'm choosing to do something that's challenging or difficult like that can be a huge growth point for us yeah and so even if it's not running because not everyone who listens to this podcast is a runner (laughs) but like even if it's not that like what is the thing you know people it's the the same principles apply whether it's like you say reading philosophy or poetry or just self self growth self-development i'm gonna i'm gonna spend time meditating or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be it's worth it the the juice is worth the squeeze i love that yeah Yeah. and i mean i think that realistically you know we live in a world that you know we used to have the same fear response from an animal chasing us or a predator chasing us or whatever that may be that we now create that same response from an email or you know Mm -hmm. a text coming through you know because our lives are so and again we're speaking from you know a point of privilege you know like I, I fully acknowledge like as a heterosexual white male living in vancouver making a fine living wage yeah with the autonomy of my own time body everything like i fully understand that this is not the whole world but the reality of it is for a lot of us here especially you know if you want to break down the running community um there's a lot of like affluence and comfort in in, in the north american running community um but the reality of it is, is that those fear-based or, you know, those emotional responses or, or even um, the, you know, like the human uh, response to an email is the equivalent of what it used to be way, 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 way back getting chased by something that could kill us. Yeah. Um, because of this, this coddled presence, or not even coddled, I guess it's just a, a byproduct of the times, but the reality of it is, is like we live very sheltered, safe lives where our wants are so immediately met. Yep. Everything is so immediate that I feel like that's why, again, to tie it back, and sure it doesn't have to be running, it can be CrossFit, it can be anything, but like these tests of endurance, these tests of strength, these things that used to be seen as so extreme and niche are growing because people need to feel challenged, to totally. feel that strain, to have, you know, the dark that rewards the light so much more. Um, and I feel like that dark time comes in, in those struggle in that, in that, 
really in those moments of challenging yourself where you don't know if you can go on, where you don't want to go on, mm -hmm. um, that reward can only be had through these self-imposed kind of tests of will and endurance. And, and you put yourself in these unique trials and tribulations of your own doing. But again, I think it's more because we need that as humans. Yes. Like we need that struggle. Um, something to work towards is, you know, like I, I think they talk about it in, in blue zones or something where, you know, the, the, these blue zones are the, you know, largest congregations of centurions, people over a hundred years old. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about like an innate human needs and that's something, uh, someone to love, something to do. So like a purpose, something to look forward to. And I think that like, that's such a unique thing in today's society is that, you know, we almost lack a lot of times like people, I feel like more than ever people feel purposelessness and they yeah. feel directionless. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with what is my task? What do I contribute? What do I do? But also, you know, what do I look forward to mm -hmm. when it all just becomes this wash of the same day in day out. And again, that is based off of having every basic need necessity met. Um, so these things like getting up at 4:45 in the morning where, you know, it's going to be a hurt locker an hour and a half from now <laughs> is, you know, an, a, a unique experience to, to where we find ourselves in the world and in our point in history. Yeah. But I feel that's why it's growing so much. And totally. there is a sentiment of people that can connect with it being like, Oh, you know, like I want to challenge myself and do that and do hard things because through hard things, I become a stronger person. I become a more confident, efficient caring empathetic person yeah and so i think that that's the shift and i think that's why things like dark starts or ultra marathons or anything you know of these big tests of, of will not only physical but of this like mental fortitude yeah uh, has grown in popularity oh totally and even before the podcast like we were talking about you know kind of the journey into running and how it was like getting into shape and, mm -hmm. you know, I was saying like it changed for me where it was something that I like I had to get out and go do because I was like committed to trying to get back in shape and be healthy and fit. And then somewhere along the way, it was like a chore of like, I have to do this to then it was something that I like I needed to do and mm -hmm. recognize like, oh, this is like I get to go do this and like I need this now. Totally. Right. And that's where I think we find the hard thing might at first be like a barrier. But then once we start getting start getting into it, we still know it's going to be hard and like, you know, pain cave, it's going to suck. But then we're drawn to that experience because you're right. I think we're we're physiologically wired to have that right to mm -hmm. find purpose. We're meaning making machines, right? That's what we want to do. Yeah. And part of that is like struggle and endurance and overcoming and seeing like, wow, I can show up and do something like really hard that I thought would be impossible. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the the biggest element is just, you know, finding a purpose, whether that be through, you know, a test of endurance or going back and doing, you know, a hard program in, in, you know, schools or extracurriculars or, you know, challenging yourself in any way, shape or form has become almost against the norm for this period of time. And now it's swinging back. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we're meaning making machines and, and it's kind of, you know, it, there's at times where you feel silly being like, Oh, I put so much meaning into the fact that I'm an amateur marathon runner. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is like, I know when push comes to shove, it's made me a better person. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you kind of have to strip away times or accomplishments in that regard, but also think about, you know, I, I equate this. I used to 
box amateur um, before I really got back into running. Um, it was like kind of my kick in the butt back into fitness. Um, you know, grew up very, very fit and active in a lot of sports, including, you know, cross country running and, and uh, stopped hard after school. But basically found this period of, you know, time where I was like drinking and eating too much and, you know, not really doing anything active. And boxing was my, my kick in the butt back to being a physically active person. Um, and I always used to be in a, into my early 20s as well. This, this, you know, young man who would like, oh, I can't go to work. I have a stomach ache or like, oh man, like I'm really like hungover. I should call in or any mm. of these things where I was always like pretty, pretty inclined to take the easy road or the, um, excuse, you know, that gave me an out. Yeah. I was never shy about taking a sick day or like mm-hmm. you know, not feeling well enough to do something or yeah. bailing on something last minute because I didn't feel good, whether that be mentally or physically, I was always very quick to be like justified. Right. I was soft on myself. And that's, you know, sometimes you need to be of course aware and be like, you know what, emotionally I'm not here, but it was more often than not just like I have a tummy ache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, one of the first times I ever sparred in a boxing gym. Um, There's not an easy out if you're uh, in the n- ring and someone's throwing punches at you. So I had um, never found out if it was cracked or just bruised, but basically like a minute into three by three minutes on, um, a dude that I was sparring with who had definitely was more um, seasoned than me in, in sparring, you know, I was feeling good the first minute. I was like, oh man, I'm like so alive crack ribs and i it felt like someone electrocuted me like the whole way down my body um and i couldn't breathe um and basically they can't do anything for cracked ribs um like they used to tie it but like that's not actually helpful yeah um anyways it's uh time time and uh pain (laughs) and just pray pray you don't sneeze yeah Yeah. or or laugh yeah or or anything yeah like i mean like i yeah like grabbing a cup of like a mug from the the uh uh, like the cupboard yeah. was enough to like make my knees buckle. But that being said, in that moment, I was like, well, like no one's going to stop this unless I stop it. But you know, you have all this adrenaline and you keep going and all of a sudden you get through it. And I kind of noticed it's like, I got through that. Like, you know, someone just smashed some of my ribs, like something that is very, very, very painful. Yeah. And I found a way to stick through it, work through it and not quit. And honestly, I I can pinpoint that as a moment in my life in which I can maybe count on, you know, one hand, the amount of times I've ever genuinely phoned in sick or too ill to do something. And, And I think that, you know, obviously we live in very different times now where like you have to acknowledge being, sick and, yeah, yeah, and what that does yeah, to the society as a whole but that being said is like that mentality has never shifted in me where it's like this is hard i should quit has yeah. never came back in in the same way that it did before that moment wow. right punched it out of you that's it. it took one swift punch and you know like i'm not a fan of of uncontrolled violence but yes. you know i think uh, i think a lot of people would be maybe a little bit better if they you know <laughs> ran a marathon and got humbled or got yeah. punched in the yeah. face just like once yeah. in a ring like a, a controlled environment yeah. yeah where all of a sudden you realize you know like you're not made of glass. You're not made of sugar. Like you yeah. can do hard things. Yeah. Um, and I think that more people would benefit from the reality or the realization, sorry, that they can do hard things. Yeah. 
and they can survive through hard things. It's amazing, right? People, I think uh, we grow up and, you know, as parents or whatever, like we're always looking out for what's best for the children and we want to give them a better experience than we had. And I think in some ways, like the pendulum swung too far to mm-hmm. this like overprotectionist, like, oh, it's okay. Like, be careful. It's like you hear that all the time. Be careful, be careful. And it's yeah. like, no, on some point, like kids need to go out and like, Yes, we don't want to see them get hurt and like God forbid something terrible happens, but like they need to explore and experiment and fall and fail because like that's how we all grow. And mm-hmm. if it's like you're in such a protected, safe, you know, sterile environment your whole life, like you're never going to get get in a position where you can get punched in the ribs totally. and be like, "Whoa," and like learn a super super valuable life lesson, right? And yeah, so I'm with you. I think that's our takeaway today. Go, the proverbial go, punch. Yeah. Go, go find a trusted friend. So just wail on, <laughs> yeah. on one, one good body shot. Yeah. 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 And see where your self development takes oh, you. Oh, man. But, but I think that through that, you know, like, and that could be, you know, run your first 10K or have another, yeah. put yourself out of that comfort zone mm-hmm. and see what comes back. Or even run two minutes if you haven't run. Totally. You know, and, that's, and that's so specific to you. Like, put yourself out of your. Comfort specific zone. comfort zone yeah reach that extra step further into something that scares you a little bit yeah and i mean like lots of people have talked about this that i uh, you know admire from you know writers to creatives whatever that may be you know if it doesn't scare you at least a little like why are you doing it yeah you know like if it's not slightly out of your comfort zone like yeah you're just gonna get the same results you're just gonna get more of the same things like just you know vanilla. yeah and, and and whatever that is whatever your normal is you're just gonna keep yeah fostering those same results in, in you may be different, you know, like lighting, but the reality of it is, is that if you don't do something that, that challenges you or, or scares you a bit or has a chance of failure or complete and utter like right. gut check moment, then really you're just going to get more or less the same results. Yeah. Where's the evolution? Well, yeah, well, let's get, um, let's get a little bit into your book. Cause I think that sure. was a, a leap of, of going into the discomfort and, mm-hmm. and getting out of the routine. And, um, I think that's where, you know, we have all these comforts in our, our kind of domestic cities and, and how we wake up and have our breakfast and, you know, it's, it's, it's predictable, but you kind of broke that routine, uh, very literally. And, uh, you went and lived kind of not off the grid, but kind of off the radar in a sense. And um, through that experience, you wrote Running Through the Woods, the River Gently on my mind. Yeah. Just like re- saying that out loud, it's like the most beautiful like title or sentence. Like it just makes me um, like almost lust for that uh, experience or that feeling just from mm-hmm. like when I – not knowing that you're from Vancouver or anything about you at all. I saw the book came out and I saw the title and I was like, I want that, you know, I want that feeling. I want that experience. Mm -hmm. So, so to rewind it back, COVID starts, you're kind of in this, this stage of your life where you're going to move to Mexico city or you're in the process of that, but kind of had those ideas kind of blown apart and you end up in a little bunky in BC so kind of take it from there. Yeah. I mean, the, the calls notes was living in Toronto um, and decided to do uh, the original plan was, you know, anywhere in and around a half a year of um, Mexico City and then California, um, not really having a set play too much. Some like major landmarks from a few different races in, you know, California and New York. And um, I have a, a wonderful community um, that I'm closely connected with in 
Mexico City. So, you know, spent the first five or six weeks of the trip there and then flew to L.A. uh, and was going to do, you know, the tour of, you know, Joshua Tree and go into um, Yosemite and, and, you know, kind of have a really... um, the point was to have a time of, of reflection and see what was next um, with the full intention or hope that maybe that was Mexico City. Maybe that was, you know, somewhere else um, other than Toronto. That was really the only intention behind it. Um, and was, again, like coming from a place of, of fortune and privilege that I could take that time and do that. Um, and then, yeah, COVID hit. And, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting in another country and the government saying, you know, you have to get home now and your insurance, your traveler's <laughs> insurance is saying, Hey, like in the next 10 days, if you're not back in Canada, it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you wow. break your leg, like we're not paying for it. If you get hit by a car and you're like, yeah. it's not covered. Yeah. Like nothing is covered because the government is saying get home. Yeah. So flew back here and kind of spent, you know, a good chunk of the summer, uh, spring, summer exploring, getting to know BC, obviously like most of us thought that it would be a temporary, you know, like I'll come home, yeah. maybe like quarantine for a month, like yeah. things will be weird. And then I was supposed to run Brooklyn half with a ton of friends. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'll be back in Brooklyn in spring. Like totally. No question. Like April, like you kidding me? Yeah. 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 COVID, COVID yeah. Gone. Three totally. Weeks, three weeks. We'll be totally. Oh, um, man. again, yeah, super naive to the fact that, you know, the world was changing, um, like most of us. And, yeah, I had a lot of major life shifts, um, was in a, a long-term relationship, um, that much like I found a lot of people in COVID either, it got <laughs> infinitely more serious and, you know, you're like, we're having a family now, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're moving back like out of the city to where we grew up, or, you know, there's a lot of that, or, you know, like every other, the other half of it, yeah. it just, it just became this logistical you know, kind of thing where you're like, okay, let's start talking about what is next. And when you start to realize those things don't align, you know, uh, in your early thirties, after spending a lot of years and living with someone, you kind of start to think about like, okay, if we don't know where we pivot from here, where do we go? So, so that was a tough, tough thing is like, you know, realizing that your, your relationship is ending. Um, and it almost feels logistical, Mm as opposed to emotional, which is a very wow. weird thing yeah. to like to dissect a relationship in that way. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times people don't do that because emotionally when you're just going through your day and things aren't kind of controlled or boxed in and you're not in isolation or not able to see other people and you're both not working from a one bedroom plus den, <laughs> um, trying to figure out where you want to live next or we know, yeah. um, those things don't really come up like it ebbs and flows in life and maybe you'll get to that point. But the reality is it puts like a really harsh magnifying glass on a lot of relationships in your life, especially those intimate, like close personal relationships. So, um, that was definitely a catalyst to me like, okay, well, you know, the place that we're at in Vancouver is no longer my home. Um, I don't have a home anywhere in the world at that point. Um, and still it's not much more. <laughs> my only possessions were fit in a 32 inch suitcase. Right. Legitimately. I, I had a few things in storage with some friends. Um, like I'd say a box worth of like records and books and, uh, some race medals and, you know, some other things like that, but that's it. So I had a single suitcase. Um, and I kind of just like, the first thing I did is I wrote a list of things that I absolutely controlled. 
Um, what was on the list? It's a short list. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, surprisingly short list. And I encourage anyone who ever feels, you know, uh, in this in this point of turmoil or, yeah. or lost or directionless, um, you'd think it'd be counterintuitive, but write a list of things that you are absolutely certain that you control. And for me, you know, uh, it started, I don't know what the first one on, but like basically to break it down is uh, how much I run, how much I write, how much I read, uh, how I treat um, the people around me, how I treat animals, and the planet, how I choose to, not yeah. necessarily, obviously there's a lot of outside forces that play that, but how I actively choose in my choices to treat the people and the animals and, and the planet as a greater um, kind of system and what I create. And I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, outside of, you know, like how much I sleep and all that. Yeah, but like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that list was very short in terms of like key elements. I love right? that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the first thing I did, but it's a short list, but it's like, it's like powerful stuff. Like oh, it's yeah. meaningful stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so in, in stoicism, there's a, um, they call it like the laws of opinion or the laws of, uh, nature. Um, I'm sure it's obviously found in other types of philosophy and, and, and religions, et cetera. But the reality of it is, is that if you're following the laws of nature, there's very few roads and you can see the start and the end of each of those roads. And if you're following the laws of opinion, it's like a bunch of, you know, forks in the road. There's a bunch of dead ends. There's roads that lead to other roads. And there's really no clear map because it never really ends. There's no real like start and finish of that road if you're basing it off the laws of opinion. So the laws of nature are very simple. You know, like we need, again, back to the, the blue zones, like someone to love, yeah. something to do, something to look forward to, a community to be a part of, like the the... The reality of it is those laws of nature are very small and we've had them met for many years. And obviously the more comfortable life gets, the more the laws of opinion of like what car you drive, what clothes you wear, how fast you run, what your partner looks like comes into play. And these are all just laws of opinion. It's the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Totally. So that was the first thing I did is I wrote that list and it really calmed me in a very weird way of being like, okay, from this list, what can I now do? Where, and I think the list said like, where do I go from here? Yes. And it was on a sticky note. Like it wasn't even like, I'm not sitting with my journal. Like this was like immediate. Yes. Like it was within hours. And I was just like, okay, like I need to write everything I'm in control of. And then I just like ripped another sticky off and I was like, what, where do I go from here? Uh, and that list again, also short was, um, I had put my passport in the coat that I was traveling with when, you know, we had to fly back from the, the, you know, start of the pandemic. And obviously everyone's like, Oh, like you're back from the airport, like throw in the washing machine. So I washed my passport. Oh no. Oh no. So, um, and I mean like the government of Canada at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic was not in any rush. Like offices were closed. Like there's nobody there to like, be like, Oh yeah, we'll <laughs> get this guy a new passport. Like <laughs> yeah. what does he need it for? Yeah, exactly. Where, so where, where, you where you're going was now limited to totally. somewhere you don't so need a passport. So originally it was like, where do I go from here? Like the first one is like back to Mexico. Yeah. Right away. Like all my, and I, and I swear to you, like, I feel like there's these windows in life that you can kind of see massive, massive chance of yeah. like my life will change forever if I do this. And they're not saying that they don't, keep coming back up, but they don't come up very often or, or they don't come up in a way that you can acknowledge them. And this was one of them. I was like, if I had my passport 
right now. Like yeah. I'm sitting on the phone with two of my closest friends from Mexico City who are like, hey, we have an immigration lawyer for X amount. He can get you like this type of visa. Um, you can like be here for three to five years on it, whatever it was. Wow. Um, like, come. Yeah. These are flights leaving in the next three days. Um, and in my head, I was like, if I had my passport, you're gone. You I'm were gone. There. So that was a divine laundry. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. For good or bad, we'll never know. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd like yeah. to think right. that like, you know, obviously, like I said, these, these windows will always kind of creep back up. It's just, if you're actually aware enough to, to acknowledge them, but that was one, that was the first thing on my list. It was Mexico city. Instantly that's off the list from yeah. there. Um, it was funny. I'd reconnected with someone I'd known a decade before, like just outside of school. Um, that summer exploring BC, he had moved to his family property up North, uh, just outside of Clearwater, hundred mile house kind of area. Um, and took over basically living there in the lodge or uh, main cabin, sorry. And they had a lodge, they had two bunkies down by the Creek. They had a mill and he's a carpenter. Um, and basically he was like living there full time. He'd have some work away sometimes and he wouldn't. And then family friends would come and then they wouldn't, but he was like a steady full time resident of this 17 acres, pretty much in the middle of, of nowhere. It's called Dunn Lake. Okay. Um, you have to take a hydraulic ferry across the Nicola Thompson. And then it's a 15 to 20 minute on a, like a forest service road wow. to get to the property. Okay. So it's, so it's remote. It's out very there. remote. Yeah. Like in the ferry runs from, I think like, I think it, the last ferry is like seven o'clock or something at night. Yeah. You know, so it's, and they take an hour for lunch in the middle of the day. You can't get across. Like it's, it's very uh, much out there. But, you know, through chance, like he had reached out and be like, dude, are you in like Kelowna right now? I was like, yeah, man, I'm in like in the summer. I was like, yeah, man, I'm like out here, like posted a photo of me kayaking or something on the Okanagan. Yeah. And he's yeah. just like, dude, like we should link up. I'm actually picking up like a wood stove, something for one of the, the bunkies or whatever um, in in the interior. Like, let's link up. So we did. And, and he kind of had pitched ideas like, man, like if you ever want to come and get away, like, you know, we got these bunkies out here and like the place is beautiful and it's like my little slice of heaven. And it always was kind of like just in the back of my mind, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. And I remember like my partner at the time, I like pitched it and I could just like, it was one of those, again, like if you look back and dissect it, I was like, oh, you were not into that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fair because yeah, I yeah. mean, like, again, I feel like it's selling someone who's, you know, just getting back and running like, Hey, you want to meet up at 445 and we're going to run 30 kilometers. They're going to be like, this is not my <laughs> no? bag. Yeah. So that was definitely like fell upon like some deaf ears uh, or just, you know, wasn't, wasn't their bag. So the long and short was that was on that list. Um, you know, go back to Toronto was another one. I had some friends who were like, yo, we'll scoop you. We'll take you in. We just bought a new home just outside of Toronto. Like there's a basement suite, like whatever you need yeah. to like get sorted. Like your life's kind of all over right now. And, and many people's were like, again, you know, like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, everyone was kind of like my, what? <laughs> global, what global shakedown. Totally. Yeah. So for me, I just, kind of saw this as this opportunity where again you talk about like the title of the book and how it makes you kind of like wistfully think about the possibilities and I think that that is I even say like in the small introduction which I waffled on whether or not I wanted to even have one um explaining you know kind of everything that led to this but um I think that a lot of people romanticize this idea of just leaving a city and like going into the woods and reading and writing and listening to records and, and, you know, the 
the reality of it is, is we go back to this, you know, there's very, especially in a type of setting, if you're chopping wood and carrying water, um, again, like that's the reality of it is there's this role of like, I need to do these things to stay warm and, and to drink. And, you know, like there's this very human element of like, these are bare necessities. Yeah. So you romanticize it. And again, like I said, like this wasn't this like total off the grid. I mean, there was, I think the first few weeks that one of the pipes had froze, so there was no running water. So it actually was like carry water. Um, and it was definitely chopped wood. Like all the, everything was heated off of wood. The bunkie that I ended up being in for, um, you know, a, a longer chunk of my stay had a little like baseboard heater, but like everything else was chop wood in like the main cabin. And, and I mean, the reality of it is, is like, if you don't have running water, you have to go to the creek to grab like buckets of water. So it was like for me, a, a, you know, a city dwelling just came from Toronto and then Mexico City, then yes. L.A., yeah. and then Vancouver. I'm like, OK, wait, like how much wood do I need to chop? And like it's freezing in the morning. I got to throw yeah. it in, the, in like the, the fire and like start it back up because at 4 a.m. it's like either shiver or like or chop it, it, throw it in, like start a fire. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like in my mind very much like when you talked about the title, like I just had this, this idea of like nothing else is required of me. Just like go there and like see what happens. Mm. So I went and I mean, I'll say this, like the first day, like my friend who lives on the property picked me up in Kamloops. I took a bus up. Um, and I think about that bus ride up a lot, like just like having one suitcase, uh, like a tote bag of books and a backpack of running shoes and just being like, this is everything I have. This is absolutely everything. And, I, you know, you're obviously confused. You're a little stunned. Like, there's all these things that are going on. You're like, what am I doing? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> he picks me up and we drive the, you know, hour and a half or whatever it is from Kamloops. And we're getting up to the, the ferry and we get over the ferry. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm really kind of stuck here. Like, I have no vehicle. I have nothing. Um, and the sun starts going down and it's like 340. 335, 340, and it's just dark, and dark, I don't dark know where I am. All day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 4:45 p.m. Dark starts, but it's it's not even four o'clock. Yeah, it's like the sun is behind the mountains. And yeah. it's getting dark, and I'm just like in a new place, and I'm uncomfortable, and you know, you're just you're 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 unfamiliar with almost everything. Yeah, and you know, this moment of being like, what the hell have I decided to do? Yeah, um, and that was that was it. It was just like, you know, it was one of the four things on my list and it seemed like the best one. And it was again, like I, I phoned him, you know, the day that I decided to do it or hope that he would say yes. And Matt is his name. And he was just like, dude, get up here. You got to see it. It's incredible up here. Like, trust me, we have such a great setup. He's like, I got a couple of workaways here, you know, they're in the main. He's like, there's a bunkie with your name on it. Um, property's big, you know, the running ain't like easy. It's not road, but like, there's two roads and they go one, one way each. And, um, you know, you'll, you maybe will find something you like here. And yeah, I, I feel like that was kind of, again, because it was the simplest option, you know, I bought a bus ticket and I went, um, in my mind, it was this romanticized version, but it was also just this like path of least resistance, which in these like times of like massive change or uncertainty, I feel like sometimes you just go with this like frictionless approach and and it just seemed to all kind of line up. And I do feel like it did line up for a very specific reason, but that was it. Like that was basically based off that list of what I control. And then where do I go from here? Mm. 
And so going there, you had no intention. It wasn't like, I'm going to go and do this creative project. No, not at all. I mean, I was working on a piece for, I think, CLA, and I had... Oh, I was working on a piece for Like the Wind magazine. So I I had just started, like, really actually um, writing for, you know, run-specific publications and was kind of, like, really exploring that voice. Um, And then just a few other things that I'd been working on that were all, like, again, centered around running, but creative space and running. So it was really neat. It was like a, you know, I feel like we live in this society where like now running is split into, um, you know, obviously like the elite and the appetite for like what the elites are doing, but then also like people, you know, like myself or Hakim or, you know, Matthew Luke Meyer or, you know, whatever that may be that are, um, creating in this space in, in a unique lens. And I hope that mine is somewhat unique, but I, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, gaps in between pro circuit, which is obviously, I mean, as a fan of the sport, super fun to watch. And I love, yeah. you know, seeing, um, you know, videos on YouTube of like what the Oregon track team, you know, long run workout looks like. And, um, Reed Fisher of 10 men elite is my, my coach. Okay. And like, you know, watching like They're their, awesome. their, oh, their videos and, and, you know, like that is very, uh, appealing in its own right. But then there's also this space of, of, you know, like genuine human beings that found running and are creating in that space or doing unique things or challenging themselves or just have a really unique, you know, lens on it. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to really good records. Like uh, my, my job, um, before. And then at the time was, uh, in music supervision, I was freelancing while we were going to be traveling in Mexico and LA and all that. Um, but years before I had done it full time for television and, and film and, and ad. So, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just like put on all my favorite records. I'm going to bring some of my favorite books. I'm going to bring like, you know, I went and bought like a stack of, you know, Mary Oliver poetry books. And I went and bought, you know, different, you know, William B. Irvine, who's like a more modern, uh, stoic philosopher. Um, and, and just, things that I felt, you know, when you think about like, I'm going to go away to the woods. Like, what am I going to bring? Everything that I could think of that like fit in that. I was like, I'm going to bring some books, bring like put together like some, some good podcasts and some good music. And I'm going to bring some running shoes. I'm going to really, really like cut down brass tacks. Do you remember which uh, books or records made the cut? Uh, record that I listened to a ton was, um, spectral dust by evening hymns um so i think i think it's called spectral dust but it's evening hymns it's it's his their first record um that they wrote after um i think his father passed away and okay. he went to his family cabin oh no and way. wrote this and recorded this record and it's like beautifully haunting and it definitely touches on loss of a person whether that be you know romantic or or you know uh, paternal um and it just like this, this record just hit in so many different places. And even though I'd been listening to it for years and years and years. Um, so that was a big one. Yeah. Um, and then I read, um, a guide to the good life by William B. Irvine. Um, and then I read a bunch of books, but that one stuck out, uh, as well as, um, I reread one of my favorite books, the dog stars by Peter Heller. Okay. Um, cool. and it's funny because it takes place. Yeah. It's kind of like a, 
a less depressing road. Uh, the road by Cormac <laughs> oh, yeah, McCarthy, yeah. who's who's like one of Great my reference. favorite authors. Yeah. But um, <laughs> basically, it takes place like a flu has wiped out a very large amount of the world, um, and it's him and his dog and some other like gun-toting strange dude in a airport hangar in in uh, Colorado. Okay. And it just like picks up like many years after like his wife has passed and they've like kind of developed a routine, but it, so it doesn't take any place at like the start of it. And they very rarely touch on like how it happened or all that. It's more like, this is the situation they find themselves in. Hmm. And it's, you know, the character, his name is Hig. Um, and him and his dog Jasper are basically living there. Uh, and he loves to fly. He's an ex carpenter, but you know, he knows how to fly. So this is a really good setup for him in this airport like hangar so they can like fly out and and you know get resources and and obviously the gun toting guy is is like militant in terms of like the parameter like watch and everything but you know he has like this different life of of you know being a very soft kind man who had a wife and and yeah worked in the trades but like he wrote a book of poetry and i thought that was so cool i was reading it and like rereading it sorry and and peter heller like puts prose almost from the viewpoint of of well, from the viewpoint of Hig, of like, yeah. and and how he writes is very like uh, jarring. Sometimes it's it, it it's a sentence or a fragment, and then it stops. Um, and then he's just very prose oriented in how he writes, um, as this character views the world. And it was just so. I mean, I love this book, and I've read it now three or four times. But rereading it was was one of those like beautiful experiences where mm. it's like, oh, like how he how he writes and, 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 and obviously the context of the situation that we find ourselves in. And, you know, I'm in this like remote cabin here and, you know, he's in this remote airport hangar and just like, just all hit and clicked. Um, and I feel like that was a very big catalyst to like being like, Oh, you know what? Like I, I really should just like, whatever it is I need to say, like write it out. Um, so it was, it was definitely not like a, a planned creative piece, but I noticed that, you know, all of a sudden I found myself running on, one of the first days and they're all data because like I tried to keep track of it. But, um, again, with no intention of, of writing anything, putting it out, having anyone publish it or share on like any capacity, I just found myself though running and, and all of a sudden this, this like cadence of prose that, you know, I wouldn't say uh, I was also reading a ton of Mary Oliver, who's just like so wonderful and you know absolutely so dialed in with writing about her time in the woods and in nature i mean like she spent most of her life just walking eight hours a day in (laughs) in the woods and writing about you know life as a person connected to the earth and, and and nature around them and and so i just found this like voice of my own this cadence while i was running um and and i started to you know just like recite it over and over and over um and that was um just here um was was the first one but then like i think maybe even like i did a double or something in the, the first or second day that i was going over these a perfect eight came up um you know these things kind of stuck in my head and i was like oh that's like a really nice phrase or that has a really nice like ring to it and like i really feel connected with this and so i started just like you know even i'd get back and you know it was up north and it was you know early december it was cold so like my hands would be frozen sometimes I couldn't even write it in a journal I just like voice dictate it to my phone like covered in sweat like my gear was all getting like 
frozen or, you know, I'm standing in my bunkie, like half naked voice dictating <laughs> these, these things because I didn't want to lose you them. Gotta get them out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about the third or fourth day of that. that I was like, oh, I kind of have this like stream of consciousness going with it. I kind of have hitting this rhythm and like, I find myself more and more inclined on each run to like think like this yeah. and to really start to be like, okay, where am I right now? What am I feeling? Like, what am I? And it just really like was probably the fifth day that I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to commit like every day that I run here, I'm going to just like take that time, whatever. And I mean, like my, my coach basically knew that like life was changing dramatically. So he's like, <laughs> cool. Like you're now like doing mountain miles, like six days a week. Yeah. Um, there's like very few like specific workouts. A lot of the stuff isn't going to be prescribed to be like, hit this, hit this, hit this. Like we're going to make you strong. You're going to run, you know, yourself into the ground a little bit. Um, it's going to help. Yeah. So, you know, I was running, you know, six days a week and I just committed then. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and pair it with like each day, however I feel in this run, whatever I feel around it. Like, and, and it started to bleed into other parts of the day because I found myself, you know, there'd be, there'd be times where I'm working on things for two, three, four hours. And I just be like standing there slowly putting layers of clothes on while recrafting this or even like sometimes I'd go back to the day before and I'd start to like tweak that or, or look at it and be like, Oh man, like I have all these things kind of pieced together. Yeah. And then it was probably more towards like the middle, like 15, 16th day, whatever that I was just like, whether this lives just for me, uh, I'm going to like put this all together cool. into something. And that was kind of the, so the, you know, day five or six was, was the hard, choice of like okay i'm gonna do this this? yeah like you know either i'm gonna stop now or like let it come organically and i might have five or six or seven or i'm gonna do this and like put myself through it and it just gave me something to lean into yeah um and that was that was it there was a book there it was like a young girl's like fishing journal and she kind of had like each date and a few notes and like what she used um and it was like this quaint London publisher printed it out and it was really, really well, um, like illustrated with like the type of fish she was going for. So I started snapping photos as well of like things from around the cabin or the bunkie, or, you know, there's a salmon hatchery at the base of Dunn Lake. And like, you know, one of the signs said like fish at work and, you know, like snapping a photo of that. And, and I, I have a friend, uh, Mike Mendez, who's a very, very talented and sought after tattooer. Um, and I just kind of would send him these photos. I was like, hey, do you think like you do something like really like stippling, like simple, like stencil or like draw, like just like very, very like sketch. Um, I feel like it'd be really beautiful to like pair with this. And then it just kind of snowballed and it gave me this project um, in a very hard and unique time to like lean into. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of organically how it was born. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And somewhere like the, the freedom between reading like the, like you were saying, kind of the stilted or like very abrupt prose of Hig, mm-hmm. this fictional character, yeah. but like somehow in there, there's permission that it doesn't have to be like a day in the woods by Mary Oliver. Like totally. it can be, it can be something that's just like almost observational, but turned into something that is actually really very well done. Like read, <laughs> like you. reading it, I'm like, oh man, these are so cool. And it does, it gives you that as, as someone who picked it up and was reading it, it gives you that longing to like participate or do that right like i remember uh, justin vernon or like bonnie yeah. Bear, right he did that that whole for emma forever ago album yeah. where it was similar thing like went and locked himself in a cabin with some instruments and like created this beautiful art yeah and i was like that would be like if i was ever going to record an album 
Yeah. That's like, that's how you got to do it. I, I feel like, again, and I say this in that very brief introduction, which I, the more and more I touch back on it, I'm kind of happy that I put that in there. Um, because it's just very straightforward. It's like, you know, this is not a new idea. Like I've yeah. done something that many people when the chips are down have thought about or dreamt about. The only difference is like, you just, I just did it. Yeah. Like, you know, just like yes. jumped in and did it. And it's not that, you know, anybody, um, can't. And that's the thing is like, I feel like, you know, that was probably the biggest thing to making something was actually just taking that leap and, yeah. and being like, cool. Like I now I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm going to spend a lot of, I know, I think the line that I use at the, the end of the introduction is like, you know, I made the acquaintance of solitude. Yes. You know, it's like, it, it very much was, you know, while I wasn't fully alone living in like some hunting lodge, uh, or hunter's cabin, I was, the days were fully mine to fill with, you know, no emails coming in, no work stuff, no nothing. Like it was the reality of it was, is like, I really had full days and full autonomy to just like, okay, what are you going to do? Um, and I feel like that's what birthed this. Yeah. It was just being in that scene and setting and, and, you know, it is very charming and romantic to be like, I'm going to go to the woods and do nothing. But like all of a sudden you go to the woods and you're doing nothing. It's like, I need to, (laughs) I need to create or, or, especially if you're a creative person by nature, you know, it felt like years of, of suppression. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I was like, cool, there's nothing else I can do here, but run, write and read. Yeah. Like the reality of the ask from me as a, as a human being was like chop some wood, carry some water, run, write, read, yeah. um, and, and try not to, to, you know, like get in your own head too much. Yeah. But cool too, right? Like even the, the too, we talked earlier about like the dark starts and how like you have to set the alarm and get up and go and run and it's all challenging. Like yeah. the initial impetus was like, do I buy the ticket? Like, do I buy the bus ticket? Totally. And do I go? And so to say yes is like a posture of openness to like on the unknown and what might be and like getting up there and being like oh shit did i make the right decision like it's 3 30 and it's dark like where am i (laughs) right 100 percent. so but then to to stick it out and and not only have it be like uh, an experience obviously that that helped helped you in the moment and grounded you or whatever but like now there's this kind of and it reads in some ways like a little bit like of a manual right like you've got the days and the runs and kind of what you did as well as the poetry like for other people it's kind of not just the not just the book itself and the poetry itself but like what you did serves as some someone might be like you know what i maybe me too like i could yeah. do something like that as well yeah it's a very simple formula of of like if you know i don't oh man i'd welcome i'd love anybody um, who's, who's picked it up or, or listens to this or, or, you know, meets me to go and do something similar because I kind of equate it to, you know, like field notes, yeah. um, pros, but still like it is field notes because it is very tied into the scene and setting and what I'm going through in like that moment or what I'm observing yeah. in, in, you know, like that, that abundance of very, very lonely juxtaposed with beauty, um, like that scene and setting, um, but I, I would love, and I think that more people would be, or a lot of people would be very surprised with what comes out of them, put in a setting where it's like, okay, I follow this format. Like I get up, I do like the simple tasks of, of survival or necessity. Yeah. And then like I run or exert or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, and then I create because yeah, it wouldn't have to be prose or, or, you know, you don't need to write the next great Canadian novel or whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or put out the next for Emma forever ago. But the reality is, is like, you probably will create something that is very in tune with like your being and what your 
you're going through right. or what you've gone through. And I feel like there's just so much space when you do things like that and you strip it all away that like the very root essence of what you're feeling uh, has, a, has a way greater chance to come to the surface because, again, there isn't that static. There isn't that noise. There isn't that, you know, we live in a world where you can constantly be numbed and distracted. And I feel like the only difference with, you know, when people go and do these types of things and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, like you created something out of this is the fact is like you just strip away, you know, like people have a really hard time just having no distractions. Yeah. We live in such a world where it's like you can constantly be numb to all of it and distracted and you can have your head in the sand and it's easy and it's comfortable. And there's times where it's, you know, the decision between, especially, you know, after the end of a long day living in a city with tons of zoom meetings, the decision between like, should I go read stoic philosophy or should I go and put on a third episode of Ted Lasso? Yeah. Ooh, Ted Lasso's pretty good. <laughs> it, right. But like, and, and I've, I do the same. It's not like I don't. Yeah. The reality of it is though, is like how, you where do you grow from that or yeah where, and where how do you, you evolve as that? a person yeah yeah and yeah. it's like okay like the reality is is like sometimes sure like you probably will benefit more from putting on an episode putting yeah. your feet up and just slowing down but there's also other ways of, of slowing down and that's removing yourself from the constant distraction the yeah. constant pull for your attention or numbing every other sense yeah um and it becomes a lot easier when you just go and mess off and go to the woods you gotta do it yeah yeah like the reality yeah. is is like you know there's not you know in that bunkie where you're getting one bar of service um and you're on your little iphone and you're trying to like upload a, a <laughs> netflix show like the reality of it is like well, screw it man it's just easier to turn on a headlamp and read yeah yeah, yeah. more rewarding so, too right so, yeah. totally yeah yeah simplifies the journey for yourself a little bit yeah you just i feel like we have to pull things away like you have yeah. to we live in a society in a world now where you have to strip things away yeah because it's just you know, you're, um, I forget who it was. It was recently on ritual, but basically he's like, you know, your phone is oh, like David a, Cho. David Cho. Yeah. Oh, David your, Cho. your, your phone is sorry. a drug dealer, a casino, your yeah. best friend, like it's everything, everything. And I think like, you know, we live in a world where we not only have phones, but computers and TV shows and blah, 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 blah. blah. And mm-hmm. everything is so ingrained in that. And, and I've, you know, I'm a part of social media. I'm a part of like the doom scroll yep. and, you know, we all yeah. catch ourselves in it. But the reality of it is, is like we know, like Bre- I know now what the formula is to getting out of that. Break yeah. that pattern and the possibilities the are. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like I, I'm feeling a calling for it right now. And I feel like the, the shift for me is in the fact that I'm going to go and always live in the woods and write prose because like that's not the reality for a lot of people yeah. and myself included. But the reality of it is, is that I will now intermittently interject solitude and removing myself from this noise and and constant hum of distraction into my life more frequently mm-hmm. um, from now on. I like I just I know that it's going to have to be an intrinsic part of who I am. Yeah. Is 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 intermittently injecting these moments of, of like okay, like I've stripped it all away. Yeah. And I mean, again, like I know I've touched on it a lot, but it, it was a big part of like my time there reading like Stoic philosophy. Is is you know. Um, a lot of them practice, you know, fasting and practice, you know, it's the same reason why, you know, soldiers do drills and, and tests of, of like battle when there's times of peace, because the reality of it is so like, you know, a lot of, um, Seneca was fairly wealthy. Um, and a lot of people like to be like, Oh, like he preached like, you know, desiring less, but like he was a super well off dude. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is that he would also, take times where he would sleep on the floor outside and eat stale bread for a week on end 
and water because he deprived himself of all the luxuries to know that like you can find happiness in the simplest affairs in in you know one set of clothes and you know not having really anything then if you have those things you can acknowledge the joy but not be a slave to them yes not be tied to them and i mean like you another like stoic saying is you know treat your silverware like clayware and treat your clayware like silverware like being able to do both being able to have silverware like beautiful things and be like yeah like they're just things but being able to have very simple or modest things and be like you know what this serves a great purpose and i acknowledge it and like i'm thankful to even have that Mm -hmm. so i feel like these these the easy way it's almost like this like instant button where you can be like cool like i'm gonna make myself have 10 20 30 percent less than what i have for like a week i'm gonna fast for a week or i'm gonna not buy anything that isn't like an absolute staple or i'm gonna not i'm gonna put my keys and lock them in a drawer for a week and not have access to a car all of a sudden you're like oh like how great how freeing is it to bike and walk everywhere like oh i really had to set aside extra time to go for this walk to work because it now takes me an hour but in that time i'm listening to a podcast or i'm phoning my parents that i don't talk to enough and you know all of a sudden you get the car back and sure there's going to be a moment i'm being like ah like i don't even know if i need it but there's also going to be the first time you go and you need to like pick someone up from the airport or whatever you're going to be that little bit more thankful and aware that sure i can live without it and be happy but also like i'm really grateful for it yes so i feel like that was one of those things i was birthed from this Mm. was that I need to go and do stuff like that on a semi-regular cadence so that I know that like the reality, and I feel like this comes back to running. Like, you know, I've done an ultra relay from New York or from Toronto to New York. And then recently doing the speed project where, you know, there comes moments where in, in the escape to New York, I found that I really, that was the first time I realized like how little you needed to be happy. Like I was blissful for three days living out of an RV with 10 other sweaty humans running nonstop legs between Toronto and New York. And then on this in the speed project where like we really, really went for it as a team of six, like trying to push each and every leg, um, and, and really compete was, you know, the choice that you have to make in, in each singular moment, like each leg was just one singular thing. Like there was no leg after there was no leg before it's like, okay, what can I do in here? And how much choice you have in that moment. Yeah. So that was another, you know, big component of it. And I feel like that's kind of ties back to why people do things like these challenges or these tests of endurance now, or why people are suddenly getting into ultra marathoning and, and, you know, so on and so forth is that it, gives you a chance to prove that like the reality of it is that I had two feet in a heartbeat, <laughs> you know, and I was so, so pumped yeah. on yes. so many things. And I had people to connect and struggle with and, and share in that. And then I got through it and like the euphoria that falls upon you when it's over, you know, like the reality of it is, is like no one gave, if I, no one cared if I drove in in a Lamborghini or a 92 Civic. All of that didn't matter. Nothing yeah. mattered. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I feel like the more um, you can kind of lean into those things is the more that you can kind of realize truly how little we need to be happy. But, like, also, the, the again, that list of things you control, like, it's short, but, like, man, the payoff from each one of those is so big. Yeah, and we let, we let all the other stuff cloud, like, what's most important, right? Uh, like, the... the the very limited kind of experience this summer, like we moved and we Mm -hmm. had to move out of our place before we could move in. So we're moving, moved in with my Mm in-laws and it's like, you live out of a box because everything was just packed away. And so you've got like a box of your stuff. That's like your kind of 
most important things or like the few outfits you need for work, run, school, whatever it might yeah. be, right? All this stuff. And then it's like, you get into the place and I'm like, well, let's just not open any of those boxes that we haven't looked at for four months and like, let's just recycle them, push them, like get them yeah. rid of, we don't need them anymore. No. I don't need them, right? And it's like the, the stuff yeah. gets in the way of like that short list of like what's most important, yeah. right? And when we disengage, when we unplug, go away fast from food, items, technology, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that's where we find like, oh man, I don't need I don't need any of that to be fulfilled and to be happy. And in fact, we often find that it's like we're happier and more fulfilled with the absence of those things, Totally, right? And it's like, how do we re-engage? We're in a world that's connected and technology phones all that we're never going to escape it for real but like how can we bring those practices of like mindfully engaging to say Mm -hmm. okay i I will choose to interact through instagram or whatever it is social media but like how do i do it so that it's like helping me and others and not just like the doom scroll or like uh whatever yeah and i feel like for me there's two parts of me one is you know like i like to create you know, let's call it this book where it's more thoughtful and, and, you know, you take the time to, to edit and revise and think about what's going to make it and how you want it to be presented. And then there's Instagram, which is like, oh, this is like free reign to create in the moment. Yeah. Like I can, I can have a sentiment or a feeling or it's born off of this photo or this idea and I can put it out there and it like gives a lot of people this free reign to be like their own, you know, brand manager and this own, your own creative, whether or not like it's, worth it for other people to look at it (laughs) varies from person to person and like but for me i view it as as like gives everyone the opportunity to be a creator yeah um and that's really cool and for me like i find it very liberating to be like cool like i have a lot of ideas all the time like i'm very much like oh this would be neat this would be neat this would be neat and so this helps like ease some of my impulsiveness with it right and i can like oh i'm still creating and putting things out there and like having a funny or unique perspective or like you know shaping something in some way that this is ticking a box for me creating today, all that other stuff can kind of live in its own calculated space. Um, but I, I get something from that. It's when, yeah, all of a sudden you start, you know, comparing it's when you start looking at metrics, when you start doing those types of things, it does get, you know, a little dicey and, you Mm -hmm. know, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's like, you know, a very real threat from something like social media. So I try to acknowledge the fact that I'm on that platform and I spend a lot of time on that platform but my goal from it is to be freeing myself to create in in like unique little moments yeah and, and share samples of things that bring me joy but when it comes to disconnecting and creating I need to have it not an option yeah because of you know it's made to want to oh, make yeah. us want it yeah um so yeah it does it does tie back to that that I'm I, I'm very I feel like that's the biggest thing from even more so than creating something out there and and having a tangible like product is that I'm aware that I need to have removal of those distractions. And the only way I can, not the only way, like obviously I have a strong will, (laughs) but like the reality of it is the easiest way is to be like, cool, I'm ducking out of cell service and connection and I'm driving into the woods and I'm camping or I'm staying, you know, in a bunkie or yeah. a cottage somewhere or I'm getting a place on Airbnb and I'm spending a week just disconnected. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's more and more and more of that pull. Yeah. Before I want to hear about the speed project and a bunch of other stuff, but before we kind of segue out of uh, the bunkie life, can you, uh, <laughs> can you just walk us through 
one of your runs, like just so visually take us through um, a Sean Hamilton run, running through the woods, the river gently on your (laughs) back, so that we can uh, just have a little solace and uh, get a little bit of that running dopamine that uh, you went through. Yeah. So, I mean, the the reality of it is, is that, you know, some days I would borrow uh, a a truck and, and drive into, you know, Clearwater area to get some pavement, some miles, yeah. like especially if there was like some form of workout worked in. Because yeah. I still like I still asked my coach at the time to be, or my coach like for that time to be, you know, like st- I, I want to still like have some challenge. Like I want to have a workout. Keep progressing. Here. But for the most part, I would leave the the front door, and my bunkie that I was in was right upon like a creek that runs through the property, kind of divides the property. So literally, I mean, and I don't know if this is like a weird thing, but I would wake up in the morning and I would, the, the bed was on like a loft in the bunkie and then I'd yeah. go down the little ladder and I would stand out on the deck and I would take my morning pee yeah. looking out at this, <laughs> yes. you know, creek rolling by and I'd just be standing there pretty much like, you know, in, in my underwear and yeah. yep. just so free in nature like looking at this and and you know it's cold and you're like getting out of the cozy blankets and it was just this feeling of being like i am so connected i don't think i i don't think i took one pee inside for you know the whole time there (laughs) that's the reality of it is is like you know i'm looking at it as and i know that seems so weird but that stuck out yeah um but then yeah pretty much i would i would you know do a few minutes of like some stretching and activations that you know as you become a 30 year old and above runner is is an inevitability and um basically turn out and you'd run like it was like 500 meters from the bunkie to the the one of the drives into the into the property and more often than not like if i took a left you're you're climbing um there's a lodge called like the alpine lodge about i don't know four or five k basically you're just slogging up a straight hill yeah um like these like service roads with like big potholes and and you know baseball and volleyball size you know rocks just kind of everywhere and and you're just climbing yeah right off the gate and so or you go right and you run like a kilometer of flat and then a little baby dip and a little kicker hill and about 1.5k and you're at dun lake which is where the salmon hatchery that's nearby feeds into okay so when i first got there there was just dozens of them like the first thing you do is like you run and you're like, Oh, I'm stopping a kilometer in because this is insanity. This yeah. is beautiful. Um, and then because of that, there's all these eagles. Mm. So, you know, you have like eagles circling overhead, you have these salmon and Dun Lake is, is there's two little campsites that are like provincial, um, not like a provincial campsite, but like, you know how they have, uh, rec sites, BC parks and like recreation sites. And they're just like, I think free, um, but I mean, it's December, so no one's there. So basically this, this road that wraps around Dun Lake, either you cut into it and you can just stand next to the water and it's just, you know, the mountains are behind you or behind it. And it, I mean, I've, I'd sat there certain days, whether on a run or like after a run or on a walk in the evenings, an hour plus, and you know, not a single car person, nothing will go by in this wow. service road because at the end of this service road that wraps around the whole lake, um, it just keeps on going you can kind of just keep going for a really, really, really long time <laughs> yeah. is that there's a few properties. Um, I think the guy's name was Butch and on my first run, I went to go through it and, uh, he has two, like a Husky and like a, uh, 
Roddy Mix okay. dogs, and they just came barreling at me. All of a sudden, you're doing speed work. You're on, Dude, you're on their trail. I was just like, "What? Oh, this is it. Like, I'm getting chewed to pieces. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of just like circled me, jumping up around me, and I was like, I don't really have a read on you yet. So I turned around. But anyways, um, that became like this, this pretty easy, mindless, like, you know, turn out right. There's no hill. Coast along. See the salmon. Watch yeah. the eagles flying over. Look at the lake get it going and, and it was like pretty rolling hills the whole way so you know you're never like hitting a, a workout where all of a sudden it's like okay you're at like four by you know five minutes on and yeah. all of a sudden you're like at the beginning of an on and it's a three minute straight up climb so it kind of just like really became this process of like cool like sink into whatever's in front of me um but i mean like the whole way you're just hugging the lake um and the mountains are like saddled in behind it and it's just like so so picturesque and, and i mean i i talk about it in the book like the the juxtaposition between like it's it's lonely and it's hard but it's so beautiful mm-hmm. like pure and and you know no one it's untouched so the, the the you know the the conflicting feelings of being like oh like it's this ache of loneliness because it's so quiet and i'm you know going through this split up and i don't know what i'm doing here and yeah. i have no one to really like bounces off of here but then also like this this wild beauty um so yeah i mean most of those runs would go would go that way um just based off of the fact that you know like 500 meters into a run do you want to go climb a hill or do you want to go and see a beautiful lake with eagles and salmons uh and and that was yeah pretty much the majority of the runs that i wouldn't you know drive in or go to the other side of the the ferry like the hydraulic ferry um that was that was it Uh, i tried one on the highway that connects to the Nicola Thompson that goes all the way to Clearwater. And, uh, I, I wrote one piece about, it was, uh, Appaloosa stair and there's just like horses and, and ranch lands and all that. But, you know, you're just getting these logging trucks and these huge 18 wheelers barreling by and it's like blowing your hat off and you're just like shaking yeah. and you're just like, you know, they're spinning up like debris at you. And yeah, it was just one of those things where I was like, well, never doing that again. Yeah. yeah. Either I'm running. <laughs> they're like, probably like, who is this guy? We're like, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like this, the looks I got, like people would be like, are you okay? Like, yeah. I, was like, I <laughs> think lost. so. Like I've definitely made a terrible decision here, but <laughs> I, think okay. I think I'm okay. Yeah. Like even the horses, I mean, I comment on it and, and now it's like, they look at me and they're like, what, <laughs> what is <laughs> going What is this? When like, the horses are staring you down. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm this strange biped nomad like it's yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> like this guy's definitely in the wrong place yeah <laughs> That's so funny yeah so i mean not a lot of variance but a ton of beauty and yeah run so it, it like you know i never got sick of it mm. that's so cool i just pictured like a little like a youtube doc on uh your runs out there and it was yeah nice. it was nice yeah i'd love to i'd love to get up there and 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 maybe even just like take some photos and film it or something like that. I, I definitely, I mean, for me, I think a big thing would be getting back there and just kind of like returning to the yeah. the scene of, of where it all like kind of was birthed. I think that'd be amazing. That'd be cool. and yeah. I think I, I got to carve some time out, take a week off and just see yeah. if my old bunkies available. Yeah. 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 See <laughs> maybe like a, Airbnb. Book, yeah. Book yeah. 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 <laughs> Hopefully not. It's, it's too pure for that. The Sean yeah. Hamilton experience. Right. Yeah. Do, do like an Air Libre run out there or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, 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 uh, if we could find somewhere, to go in uh there's a a ton of waterfalls in that area cool. yeah yeah and uh wells gray yeah wells yeah. gray is beautiful so that's not far off and okay I, I did a few like hikes in there yeah um yeah to some of the waterfalls and and i mean like that would be a great spot yeah and just even have it set up that like you know home base is is that property 
Uh, maybe there's something in there. Maybe. Sign, sign us up. Yeah. yeah. Two spots sold. Well, yeah. should, we, should we shift things a little bit? And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can talk about running forever and we'll probably <laughs> circle back to running. But uh, just from pre-pod, we're jamming on a couple of things. And um, as two plant-based individuals, I yes. was, uh, you know, all the light bulbs went off when, uh, you know, you mentioned you've you've been following. And I kind of like had some, there's like a few things you said in your book and on previous podcasts that kind of hinted towards it. Yeah. Um, but would love to hear about your, your plant-based journey um, your food journey and uh, these are I guess two different two different paths but also your your journey with uh, sobriety and how that's kind of brought new opportunities or, or, or new ways of how you go about your life yeah I mean I think both of them are well I, I think I think anything that's tied to making a specific choice mm-hmm. on what you put into your body um, again falls into that list of of things such as what you actually, you know, have full control over. Yes. Um, yes. And even that is very, very um, hard to, like, you know, I can't see what factory my food is made in that I get from the grocery store and, and you know, what types of labor go into that or who's getting paid what along the way um, every time. Yes. I mean, it's you can make more conscious choices, but the reality is even that, like, you don't fully control, but, like, what I choose to put in my body um I do have like a fair amount of solid control over. And for me, um, I think that a plant-based diet has just been absolutely the best fit for what I put in my body in terms of how I feel, um, how I feel in terms of my responsibility to the planet, how I feel about my responsibility to, you know, animals and, and the cruelty of, of a life that I live. Um, and hopefully the lack thereof. Um, I feel like those choices just add up to being like, wow, I, I feel better. Mm-hmm. I not only feel better physically, but emotionally and socially, like I responsibility wise, I feel better to the animals and to the planet. And I know that like, you know, I also do a lot of things that are harmful to animals and the planet and, and, you know, the generations to come. And I think that obviously we all make choices and, and this is such, for me, it was such an easy one to be like, cool. Like this is like more sustainable. Yeah. I feel better and I don't have to push in the back of my mind that like some animal has been in a terrible situation until it's death. Um, and then it just kind of shifted for me that, you know, the thought of eating chicken or, pork or you know like cow and any, any of those types of fleshy things like it just didn't it, it just went away it yeah just went away that made me really really aware i'm like oh maybe you know we're not actually meant to eat this two meals a day yeah um and i have a lot of allergies yeah i'm allergic to all nuts i'm allergic to soy protein so that like you know the when plant-based i journey all the honestly i thought know. i was i thought i was special because i'm like yo i'm the no nut vegan and then sean shows up he's like yeah i'm no nuts and no soy i'm like oh hey, why well, you win <laughs> Boom. yeah yeah it's yeah, a, a real strong card for sure honestly um, yeah yeah no i i definitely i found earlier on when i was uh you know like solely vegetarian at the very beginning um it was easy because, you know, if someone was like, oh, like there's a veggie burger, but it's tofu, which was all there was at the beginning of this journey for me, like a yeah. decade plus ago. Yeah. It was very, very hard to um, have those options. Like every fake chicken wing or burger or whatever was all soy. soy. Yeah. Um, 
obviously that's changed now with like mung and pea protein and all these different like oat milks and coconut milks, all these things have really like tofu is kind of the, the boring option. Yeah. Um, so, but at the beginning, you know, when I was vegetarian, what got you onto that wave originally? Like even on the vegetarian. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just, again, like I was kind of early twenties, I was out of shape. I wasn't doing anything good for me. Yeah. And, uh, a buddy of mine says like, Hey man, like you should just try like switching plant-based for a bit. Like, you know, just like not even focusing really on your diet necessarily. Like what you like map out for your meals every day. He's like, just like cut out like the meat because the reality of it is at the time, like it's really easy if you're eating meat to get fast food. Yes. Yeah. Um, and right. All of a sudden when you're not, and especially with my allergies, like fast food went away. It's a fatal convenience. Or, totally. Yeah. So fast food was completely eliminated my diet with one decision. Um, almost completely. So for me, like, you know, I was a month or two in and I was like, oh man, I feel good. Yeah. And then a few months after that, I was like, oh, I should, you know, do some research while I'm, while I'm really jiving on this about what actually happens to the food that we eat uh, in terms of like, you know, what, you know, factory farming looks like. And, you know, there's a laundry list of, of movies that you can watch that are really disturbing. Uh, and I watched a few of them. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden this, this connection was like, not only am I feeling better, but now I'm feeling far worse about the fact that I used to eat, you know, fast food, that this is the conditions that these animals are living in and this is what they're going through. And this is what it takes to sustain how much meat we all keep consuming at this like, rapid growing rate. Yeah. Um, and then... I'll be the first to admit it. Like I, I battled back and forth just with convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was like years and years of, of veggie, uh, like vegetarian, pretty much predominantly probably like five years. And then I actually think I went back to eating meat for a brief amount of time. And again, that's like, I picked up some fast food and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, like what, like what happened that I could just, you know, do this again then I stopped again. And then I think maybe there was a brief stint where I, I went back one more time. And then, um, it was actually that point when I was eating meat that I was like, you know what, I'm going to go full vegan. I'm like cutting all of it out. Yeah. Um, and then that was a big thing. I was just like, okay, like now I'm committing to something again. Like, you know, like, like going to the woods or whatever. I'm, I'm very much, um, and this has been my personality since I was young. If one is good, five is better. Right. You know what I mean? So it's either like, you know, all gas, yeah. no brakes or, yeah. you know, yeah. that's it. Right. And so, yeah. um, we again, really, we get you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go. If we're going to go, let's go. Let's totally. Go. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if you're going to, if you're going to do something like full, full bore is kind of the only way I've ever known that's how. Your throttle, yeah. Yeah. I kind of really don't have that, that in between. And it is something that I'm working on. I think that is something that can be, you know, um, encouraged and obviously gets a little easier as you age mm-hmm. but especially as a young man i was just like let's go yeah and this was with drinking this was with smoking this was with anything yeah um you know i don't even i don't even try to hide it that the fact that like you know i run a lot of mileage and and do these things is because if 5k is great 10k is better 40k is way better <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. If, if running for 12 hours in a relay is great what do you think 30 is gonna feel like you know yeah. what i mean like yeah 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 um so it was actually that decision to go full vegan that helped me um kind of kick that for once and for all but then traveling a lot especially to you know um 
somewhere like Mexico City and, and around like in Oaxaca and all that. Um, I got really good at saying what my allergies were and like having conversational um, restaurant, Uber, cafe Spanish. And yeah. like, you know, I, I started to grow into that. But the reality of it is, is like when you're trying to, in a language that's not your first language, really, really, really impart upon yeah. the person who's serving you or cooking your food that like, I will die if I eat this. Yeah. Everything else becomes secondary. So someone's like, oh, like you think that's cheese in there or like dairy in there or like whatever yeah and i'm just like oh as long as it doesn't kill me and i haven't you know like yeah. eaten in like six hours or 10 hours <laughs> yeah. or whatever and i've like ran this morning and i haven't found anything that i can safely eat um okay so i like i kind of had to like have a little bit more um and this is how i'd equate it now like when i'm at home and i'm cooking everything everything is is plant-based yeah. um it's fully vegan it's it's you know like a hundred percent from tip to tail. I've been able to curate that. And I have a very like minimalist diet. Even I feel like when I grocery shop, it's 25 items or less staples. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, but I mean, the reality of it is, is that I also know that like, because of my allergies, because I like to travel, um, I need to also acknowledge that sometimes something may, may like poke in and I don't actively choose to go seek out that, but I also can't be, so hardline in the sand i feel like this is where a lot of vegan culture needs a pr shift is that because i i had it before when i was fully like announcing myself as a vegan where all of a sudden i'd be in something and somebody like oh there's dairy in that what, yeah. what are you doing you're just giving up on veganism and i'm like oh shoot like i mean i was <laughs> just worried about staying alive here yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on the road and like you know i needed to eat something and yeah. uh, i i'm trying not to make excuses about it but i i that's why i say plant-based now even even though that most of the time everything is so tip to tail vegan yeah um i just don't love the hassle that has come with you know the veganism pr it's a whole thing yeah, yeah and i feel like it's really unfortunate because a lot of these people are caring committed um you know intelligent people but it's the holier than thou attitude mm -hmm. or it's the looking down on people like you know we need to start to come back at this from a different perspective totally. we need to start encouraging people to try cutting down on the, how much meat they eat, trying plant-based options, not shunning them or shaming them totally. for making a choice that has been so ingrained maybe in their whole lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have gone plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, and, you know, they go home for the first Christmas and, like, their mom is like, this is an insult that you won't eat my cooking. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's so familial. And it's so, it's like how they show love. And it's like now that you don't want to eat this turkey and this ham that I made you and you know, this mac and cheese or whatever, like you, I fed you this dish my whole life and yeah. now you're shunning it's it. It's like not good enough for you anymore. Totally. Yep. And, and so I feel like that's the hard part about that. But for me, again, like what guides me is the fact that like I make the choice that is best for what I can control. Yeah. And I feel very, very confident that, you know, the choices that I make are better than the choices that I would have made. Mm five, seven, 10 years ago, yeah. and they keep on refining and, 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 you know, not to set this unreachable bar, but I think if you're not always trying to be like, okay, now that I'm pretty dialed in with like cooking for myself solely vegan, how can I start to be, you know, more, you know, conscious of what is organic, what is fair trade, what is, you know, sustainably sourced, yes. what yeah. is, you know, and you can start to try to like, you know, you don't need to take the joy out of just sometimes like living in the moment and picking up something that's easy to eat yeah. because that's the reality of the world we live in. And I, I feel like if you're always constantly berating yourself for these decisions, you're never really going to get further. But I feel like each 
passing, you know, year of it, I try to like dial it in a bit more. And I've just noticed that like the more you actually commit the time to noticing what you're putting in your body, especially as someone who, you know, runs a high amount of mileage and wants to do like has very high personal goals for something like running an endurance sport. Um, the more you acknowledge like what you're actually putting into your body, I just feel like the more you get out of it. Yeah. And, and it's just this, this feeling that I, I, I can only equate to like, we've all eaten like shit and then felt awful for days. And you're like, why did I put this in my body? And we've all eaten extremely well. And be like, I feel like a superhuman. And I feel like I've gotten back from runs where I'm blending a green smoothie full of seeds and all these like vegetables that people are like, how are you putting that in your body for breakfast? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I feel charged. It's so good. I feel like two cups of coffee and you know, like you just, you just like charged up yeah. and that feeling is, is almost like you want to bottle it and you can, if you choose to eat well and hydrate and be a physical, you know, like physically active and get good sleep. And it, it almost just seems like, you know, we put this, this, um, you know, rose tinted lens on like workaholics that get no sleep and just fuel themselves on coffee and, and, you know, like grind through it all. But it's like the reality of it is, is like, you know, we need to treat, our planet, our bodies, our, you know, sleep cycles, our hydration needs with respect. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this is the best way that I can kind of respect my own body while also hopefully again, like to that list, respecting animals, respecting the planet, yeah. respecting the future generations. Like I'm not even a parent, yeah. but like the reality of it is, is like we know that this is unsustainable and we know what it's doing to the environment. And we know that sure plant-based uh, options can be, you know, still wrapped in plastic and blah, 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 blah. But like the reality of it is, is like what comes down to like brass tacks of everything that I've read. And again, I'm always open to like more literature and having my eyes open is that it isn't sustainable the way that we eat meat mm -hmm. as a society to continue farming the way that we will need to eat meat as our numbers grow to 8 billion, 9 billion, 10 billion. It's just not an option. So oh, yeah. for me, it's, it's, it's kind of like, there's no looking back. Yeah. It, it's it's just how I live my life. Totally. It's, it's it's just the right choice. And once you start doing it, you're like, and you're feeling good, and you're like, especially when it comes to athletics or whatever, you're either performing better, mm -hmm. or you're like, oh, it's like I feel I feel the same as I did before. Totally. And I'm like choosing the the thing that's like better for the environment, less harm for yeah. animals and people, right? Like the people who work in those slaughterhouses and stuff, they're yeah, they're suffering as well, right? Like. Yeah. Anyway, it's a whole thing, but that's the, that's the reality is like, you can feel as good or probably better. Mm -hmm. And like, so it's just kind of like, well, why wouldn't you make the choice? And it's just like inviting people to experiment and experience it and then see like, oh yeah, I can feel better. I think that's the biggest thing is, is an invitation, not a lesson, yeah. not a, I'm going to give you a lecture on why what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, why don't you try this? Because it really works for me. Yeah. Or why don't you try this? Because it's good to try new things. Yeah. Growth um, mindset. Challenge yourself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, you know, um, most people aren't unwilling to give something a shot, but I guarantee you, myself included, if someone comes at it from a condescending tone telling me what I'm doing wrong, the last thing I'm going to do is try the thing that you're telling me yeah, to yeah. try. Totally, totally want to be like you. Yeah, thanks for scolding <laughs> me. And now I just like, like, like I just got scolded for yeah. choosing to do this and this and this. And it's like, do you think the next thing I want to do is follow your lead? Like, yeah. no. So, yeah, yeah I, I feel, again, um, 
it's best to always approach it from that growth mindset, like you said, um, and hopefully you encourage through your actions or your passion for it, other people to try it. Yeah. Um, and again, like we're not, in a, we're not an anomaly anymore. We're not a small fraction of people. Like if you look at, you know, you go to a grocery store in Alberta and beyond meat is in there now. Okay, next to the, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have to go to like the most granola shop in, in a major city yeah. to find more than like a tofu option. Right. So uh, again, like, you know, the, the excuses get smaller. Um, and obviously I think if you're just coming from a place of like love and kindness, when you approach these conversations, a lot of people aren't opposed to trying something like that because most people know they're like, Oh, I've been on <laughs> 20 pounds. Like my diet is not good. Yeah. Or, Oh, like, I did see like, you know, that like greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I read that report saying like the largest cause of, you know, like CO2 emissions, blah, blah. Like, you It's know, not hidden anymore. It, no, and, and yeah. people aren't, people aren't dumb in the sense that they like don't see these things. They just, again, like it's easy to be distracted, head in the sand. And people do a lot of the times want that easier option. Um, I just think that, yeah, the PR behind veganism has for so long been judgmental but then also the idea that it's expensive and hard is also something that needs to change because the reality of it is is like those 20 to 25 staples that i buy every week it's actually the cheapest i've ever eaten because it's you know it's beans it's rice it's tortillas you know it's these things that are you know on the the, you know, I guess like the classic thing is like if you walk around the outside of the grocery store, you're going to get all whole food, plant based, like yeah. pretty healthy options 100%. and it's going to be cheap. Yeah. yeah. But it's when you go into those inner, inner aisles. All the package yeah. process. Totally. Yeah. 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 If you walk around the outside, you know, like that's like, that's something that I. Bean salsa, even from, guac, rice. Totally. Yeah. If I, if I actually now, like maybe that's what I'm going to challenge myself over the next, you know, Oof, new challenge. next thing is to like only grocery shop for let's call it a month where i just walk the parameter i love that you yeah know? so that's cool yeah and, <laughs> and i think that you know these things don't have to be expensive they don't have to be hard but the reality of it is is that we live in a world where you know a single mother of three who works two jobs mm-hmm. it's way easier and, and affordable to go and get four mcdonald's mcdeals whatever it is yep. for 18 bucks you can feed a family of four or 15 bucks or 20 bucks. Whereas like, yeah. and it's instant. Yes. So, you know, it's not, okay, well I went to the grocery store and I, sure I only spent 20 bucks and I got potatoes and I got uh, greens and I got, you know, this and that and veggies and, and, and et cetera. But it's like, okay, now I got to cook it and yeah. and now and, I got to prep it and, and get my kids to, to eat it. Totally. When, when it's like, to like, yeah, yeah when they're just like, food. Oh man, like that burger tastes great. And I got a toy. <laughs> yes. Like it's hard to compete with that when you're like, here's your kale. That one yeah. Else, right. Yeah. yeah. Toy. We yeah. need more toys uh, packaging <laughs> with the kale <laughs> and spinach. But yeah. the, the toy for me is like the, the kicker good. is that I feel like a kid again. Yeah. When I, when I really dialed in with like a, a plant-based diet yeah. is that I feel charged up yeah and i feel better than i did at, you know i think to myself at like 23 like slamming beers and eating pizza almost like four or five nights a week or pub food or whatever that may be and i think now to like a morning where it's like i've gotten back from a 15k run workout baked in and i'm drank a liter of water first thing when i woke up and now i'm blending a green smoothie and it's 7:45, and i'm just like man like this isn't like me <laughs> pumping my own tires but like 
damn, do I feel good. Yes. Damn, do I feel efficient. Yeah. Damn, do I feel charged up to continue the day and keep doing this. Yeah. So oh, that's good. So you're following, you know, a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. You're running heavy mileage mm-hmm. and you're feeling good. Yeah. Um, so one thing you touched on before we started recording that I thought was really cool. Recently had your birthday. Yeah. And you mentioned you want to feel better every birthday. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, Why not? Uh, and it's that's like, it. Why not? It's almost a rebellion against age. Like I don't yeah. need to feel worse every year. If if you're taking the you know the things that you can control mm-hmm. into your control, yeah, uh, we can dictate how we feel. With yeah, to- totally. And I feel like there is you know this inevitable, you know, obviously time clock that there will come a point where yeah, you know, things don't. And I, I mean, I'm very very aware of it. Like I've been injured a few times this year over the last few years. Like you yeah. Know, things don't bounce back in the same ways, but the reality of it is, is like, I can really also break down like what, and I can only do it for me, like what feeling better really means. Mm-hmm. So that's not just like, Oh, I can go to the gym and like hit this rep or like, Oh, I can run a marathon five minutes faster than I could last year. Yeah. It's part of it. Part of it being like, you know, I woke up on my birthday this year and I went and ran a, a pretty solid workout. Um, with some like good, you know, up-tempo miles and, and some good repeats. And I definitely was like, oh man, like even on junk marathon build, heavy legs coming out of the speed project, like I am, I'm still holding this down. Sure. There's that. That's one element. Absolutely. And that's the physical part. But you know, it's also the fact that, you know, I get up on that birthday and this is, this has been the last few years now that I've done it. Um, and you know, you, you meditate, and and you write and you journal or you read something that you know over the last year is like really really stuck with you and you you kind of for me I've been able to really acknowledge what I've processed over the last year so it's like okay like what has changed what has stayed the same what have I filtered out what have I whittled down what has become you know like when we talk about the that short list like what is really solidified itself or, you know, what am I tricking myself into? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that the reality of it is, is like, I can only, and you can only say like what feeling better means. Um, but I do want to wake up on my, you know, I just turned 33, my 34th birthday and know that as a whole, as a human being who hopefully, you know, listens to his friends when they need an ear, who is a kind son who spends the extra time when it's available, uh, who checks in, uh, who, you know, puts the phone down when someone's talking to them, who makes conscious choices in what he eats and what he buys to hopefully make, you know, the world a little bit better or last a little bit longer or whatever that is. You know, those are the things that I start to break down and be like, do I feel better? Do I feel better and more well-rounded? Maybe that's a better term for it. Mm. It's like, do I feel more like a properly well-rounded version of myself that I truly want to be. Um, and if I can wake up every birthday and do that, most likely I've cutting things out, uh, you know, I've cut different things out. Yeah. Uh, and most likely I've added in some other challenges or something that, you know, maybe is that extra bit of work, but I've cut things out. That's the payoff. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's that weird balance and you can only define it really for yourself. But yeah. for me, like I want to wake up and not have a doubt on my 34th. I was like, yo, I'm this is it. feeling like the best version of me that I could have been given that like year to year point to point. Yeah. It's such a good way. Cause so often we think like, 
we get older and we're like, oh man, like the older I get, the less I can do this. And it's like, we're, we see it as inevitably we're, we're losing yeah. like what we had. Or we look back like glory days, but to say, no, no, the goal is like better each year mm-hmm. and knowing that better is going to look differently. Like it might not mean faster. It totally. might not mean like stronger, but holistically yeah. better and not yeah. better than anyone else, no. but just like better than I was in this last year. And so each year you're intentionally building and working on yourself. I think that's such a good, like that's such a good mindset to have, right? And not to have it be lost, but to say year to year, like here's my check-in. Yeah. And I think that because there's no metrics, you know, there's no like tangible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no, you know, oh, you know, this time next year I want to make X amount of money and be an X amount of job and have this vehicle or, you know, have, you know, this many followers. Like those are all things that can pretty quickly let you down. Um, Whereas if you just go off of the intangible, solely unique, undescribable feeling of, I want to feel better at this exact moment in a year from now, one spin around the sun, I want to feel better and know that like, this is the only person doing the, the audit of this is myself. It's a really, really easy yes or no. Like, do I feel better or do I not? And, and if I don't like, what needs to change because again when you put metrics in it it can you know like the reality of it is is there's going to come a point where i start running slower not faster and there's yeah. going to come a point where i start being weaker not stronger and there's going to come a point where i start healing slower blah 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 but knowing that i feel better and that could just be solely from like i made choices to make myself feel like the best version of myself that I could yep. this year to this year, knowing that like you can't do it all at once. I think that like that year is a really nice way to kind of like break it down and also just set some intention. Yeah. Um, there's two days of the year that I really, really, really prioritize that getting up early. Um, and it was three days this year because one was the the day the book came out. I like decided that was going to be another one. Cool. Or, you know, I get up, like I love waking up New Year's is the other one. Yeah. Waking up on New Year's Day, especially now um, being sober mm-hmm. um, and just like knowing that most of the world is feeling potentially one of the top 10 worst <laughs> they're going to feel all year long. Um, and I'm up out for a run. You know, a buddy of me met up on New Year's morning at, you know, 6 or 630 this year. Um, and it was right back after I got back from the woods. Yeah. Um, but we ran a half marathon just like, be like, cool, let's crank out a half marathon and we'll do a cut down in the last like five. And, you know, we're sitting there eating, you know, toast and, and jam and drinking coffee, um, at, you know, eight 30 in the morning, like fully like dried off, <laughs> hanging yeah. out, whatever. Some people are like still stumbling home, but we saw like, two people out on the seawall and one of them was like an older dude and it was storming. Like it was like a rainy, rainy, wet New Year's. And you know, like we didn't go out and like, it wasn't like neither of us cared if we ran it fast, slow in between. Like we were just like, cool, we'll do a cut down the last five. Like we'll just chop it down. We'll do like a nice little run. And you know, we ended up running fine time, but it was pouring. And I just remember being like, I'm smiling ear to ear. And there's (laughs) this older dude who's probably like fifties grinding along the seawall, like rain's hitting him. Like it's like windy. And I'm just like, there's three of us out here. Yeah. You know, everyone else is just like shut down. So reality of it is like, I'm in such a small little little circle of people that are like actively choosing to start. And I know it's just a day on the map, but like on on the calendar, but like the reality is like, I'm choosing with this intention to start this day early, get after it, 
feel good. Yeah. And, and so the birthday and new year's are, are, are those two days that I've over the last couple of years decided to kind of have that. Uh, and then, yeah, the third one this year was, was the book. And again, I just feel like those dates can be anything. They don't have to be your birthday and new year's, but like picking some of those days throughout your year to like really set some intention and, and, and and actually take stock of where you feel versus where you felt X amount of time past. Totally. Cause every day, every day is an opportunity to wake up and choose, okay, this is, this is my brand new. And sometimes it's helpful to have those like punctiliar moments on the calendar in January one or a birthday, the milestone moments for sure. But like anyone anywhere can say, okay, today is the day that I'm going to start to be the new version of myself. Yeah. And that's so, there's so much power in that, right? Totally. And I feel like that comes with the idea of, again, not having too many things, um, that you can't live without. Yeah. Um, or put too much stock into because you know it's a lot easier to blow it up and this is my new day when you know that it doesn't matter how many followers you have or mm-hmm. what you know pair of pants you're wearing or what shoes or jacket yeah. or whatever what car you drive when you know that you're like cool like tomorrow i could i feel like it's a superpower and obviously this is someone who's you know i'm single um i have no dog or anything like that no kids um but the reality of it is, is like, I almost feel like it's a superpower with a lot of people that I talk to that are like, Oh, like I have a mortgage and I have a job and I'm so afraid to lose it. I'm so afraid to lose that. But the reality of it is, is like any of us can do this. But for me specifically, I know this is my superpower that if, if everything were to change tomorrow, uh, I could hop on a plane or get in a van or live out of a van and run trails. And, and, and it's this, like I said, it feels like a superpower that I'm just like, Oh, like, sure. Like that would be jarring and tough. Yeah. But I'm still going to find joy in like suffering through a long run or yeah. getting up at four forty-five and running in the rain. The clayware is your silverware. That's it, man. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> the reality of it is, is, is it feels like this hidden same, like the mornings, the early mornings, like a secret little power yeah. or, or, or viewpoint of it. And I understand that like it's coming from again, a, a place of privilege and a lack of uh, things that require me to be responsible for them right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But that being said is like, the worst fear of, of, of all of us even, you know, is stuff that like for a lot of people, like there are things that's just like pivot from that in a day. Yeah. You can pivot from that from in a week. You know, if, if push comes to shove and you were to lose your job and your family had to move back to your hometown and like, you know, figure it out or you had to take something like you could, there's always these like options, especially, you know, again, in the, in the society that we live in and, and from a privilege standpoint, um, so I feel like all that stock that's put into all these things is like kind of humorous to me now because I'm just like, Oh, like I still, even though I have an apartment here in the city, like I could throw it all into that same 32 inch suitcase. And I mean, my apartment building actually caught fire. Um, and it was pretty tragic. A, a person died in oh it uh, recently. It was like really wild. Um, but it was super interesting that the first and only thing I thought about in my whole whole place i mean like obviously i was like oh some journals like that would suck like some um i have a hard drive where my dad put all of our childhood videos and digitize them and put them on a hard drive and even that i was like oh my sister has one too so (laughs) the only thing the absolute only thing that i was like oh my god i should have grabbed that was my passport just that that freedom (laughs) of movement that that was the only thing in that whole place right that i actually would have been like 
I wish I had that. Right. Because it just gave it, you know, without it, I know what it felt like to be stuck yeah. without it and not being able to like move freely or just be able to pivot and go. Yeah. That was the only thing. Wow. Wow. Non-attachment. Yeah. It's, right? I mean, we all, we all, I, I battle with it a lot too. And I, I try to listen to like minimalism podcasts. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like so, that good. so good. Because yeah, I mean, you, you get these ideas and I think attachment also ties you know, again, to like a role or mm-hmm. a partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I've read it somewhere that, you know, possessions are, our own, or, sorry, actions are our only possessions, mm, you know, the that. only, only thing, um, I start, you know, I'm working on a new project and the, the first, the first pros, like the whole the first work is, is literally just, uh, far too soon. All that will be left is how you made those around you feel. Yeah. And that's it, you know, Oof. you know, like that's, that's the reality of, of our existence is that you know you really you aren't your career path you aren't your title you aren't your spouse you're you're nothing but what you are to people yeah and 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 those in your life and and how you can affect those people so i think that the attachment is really hard because it's so ingrained Mm. and i fall victim to it a lot myself you know like the reality of it is is that i look at a pace on my watch. I'm like, Hey, I gotta be this. I think this is my of race course. pace. And it's like, it's good to challenge yourself, but like you also need to like strip it away. And, and I do a lot of negative visualization around this where, you know, if I'm having a particularly shitty run or something, uh, I imagine in the sounds dark, but a world in which I can no longer walk, you know, like let's say as in, you know, God forbid a horrific accident and I yeah. no use of my legs or I was severely disabled right, from right. the waist down or neck down or whatever how thankful would I be to even just be out running a slogging the slowest pace yeah, ever, just, just absolutely trotting along. Yeah. And so, you know, the framing of that, of this negative visualization kind of helps like you remove that attachment of like, it's almost like reverse gratitude in a way. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how it was described to me is like, imagine a soldier who's, uh, awaiting to go into battle and like how much he's like, Oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And then imagine, him thinking about being in the trenches and how much if he's in the trenches, he'd love to just be where he is and base. And then think about being in the trenches about, let's say a wounded soldier on the field who is like minutes ago, he was dreading even being anywhere. But if you're laying there on the field of battle wounded, think about how much you desire just to be in in the the trenches, at least semi shelter. Like, you know, there's always a situation in which you would be desiring the current life that you live. Yes. Um, and that's like the biggest thing I think about negative hmm. visualization is, you know, desiring the life that you live currently mm. because, you know, it, otherwise you're just on this like hedonistic treadmill. If I want well, this, I want this, I want yeah, this. I yeah, I want, I get, I'm happy for a minute. Yeah. Now yeah. I want, I yeah. get. And the reality of it is, is like that happiness will always elude you if you're just kind of going mm-hmm. to that next yeah. want, get gap. Whereas if you can find, you know, some center of, Imagine a world in which this is all I could ever want yeah. and, and imagine what it would feel like to know that like, this is my life. And you just shift instantly being like this right now that I'm sitting here having this conversation with you two mm. about things that are pas- we're passionate about, about connecting, about community, about culture, about any of these things. The fact of the matter is there's going to come a point in my life where I wish I was an able-bodied 33 year old who could go and just have a conversation about writing and running and, and community. Um, and I might be, you know, posted up in a home, unable to, to walk and take care of myself or feed myself. And I'd look back at this as like such a glowing moment where I just got to 
interact with like-minded people yeah. and have full autonomy over my schedule and my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the reality of it is, is like you, you shift this perspective and it's just framing, but mm-hmm. I feel you start to lose that attachment to these things. If you can catch yourself wanting them or desiring them and then being like, cool. Imagine I had 14,000 X less of this. All I would want is just this. I'd yeah. be so happy with this. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's so it's it's very much the opposite to the way our world is is so set up right now, where it's mm-hmm. like, don't be happy, don't be satisfied with what you have. More is better. Mm-hmm. What you have isn't good enough. Who you are isn't good enough. And like the next cycle of what you buy, participate in, pretend to be that's what will make you happy. And then you get there and you realize I'm still not happy. So then you try to get to the next thing versus like having that, that kind of like rear view approach being like, no, 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 actually like, yeah, this is right now. This is, this is amazing. And there are so many people in the world who would look at my position and be like, Oh, how can you not be happy or satisfied? So that, and that's it. Like William B. Irvine, who I mentioned earlier talks about, yeah, the hedonistic treadmill about the want gap. Um, but he also imagines that you are living or says that you're living the dream life. Mm. And so not only is there obviously countless billions of people that you're living a life that they could only dream of, but there is a past and a future version of yourself Mm. that this is a dream life that like, I, I think back, you know, to that time pulling into the woods, pulling in, uh, you know, up North. And it's going dark and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here to now? If you know, some version of me could have transported back me like, Hey, listen, by the way, you're going to put up this book. You're going to do this thing. You're going to like, get to talk about it. You're going to expand your community. Um, blah, 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 blah. And this is like <laughs> going to be your life. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, I want that. I'm showing up here. I totally. am. Totally. Yeah. And there's going to be a version of me when things are really, really, really hard. Cause it's going to happen at some point. I'm going to hit a low, like we all do where things get rattled and rocked and, you know, or you get a, a health scare or something happens to a loved yeah. one, whatever. And I'm going to look back and, and think back on this. And I'm going to think back on, you know, later tonight when I make a cup of tea and walk the seawall. And that's the only concern is just like putting on some music in my headphones and walking the seawall. That there's, yeah, a past and a future version of yourself that is, this is the dream life mm. on top of those billions of people that they would do anything to have a life of, of this comfort or leisure or whatever that may be. And, and, you know, having that perspective is, is really, really great. And another person that I really look up to and listen a lot to is Sam Harris waking up is, is his book and, and podcast and app and the app, you know, a lot of these times, like these little moments pop up and it's like, take a moment and it's a minute. And so like, I'll, I'll put it on a lot of the times, especially if I'm just like typing an email or, you know, doing something cooking. I'm like, what's, 45 seconds to a minute. So, but one of them was like, really take stock. He's like, close your eyes and just like breathe and like be here and think of like in this moment, like right now, like this is everything. There's nothing else. Like this moment is everything. And he just pauses and just goes, isn't everything enough for you? You know? And I just like kind of was one of those moments that it sticks with me all the time now, just like being somewhere and just being like, isn't everything enough for me? Like right, right here is everything. And isn't that enough? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those phrases that um, it's almost just something like I repeat now 
when I find myself getting carried away, um, thinking too far down or like looking at like, Oh, I'm going to run this race at this pace, or I'm going to like, you know, I want to do this in work. And then I want like this title. And like, Oh, when I'm thinking about like the next time I'm in a relationship, like I want them to look or act or be into this. It's like, wait, no, isn't everything enough for you? Like what you have right now is that's it, man. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's a real quick, quick, like, trigger back brings to, you back totally yeah and, and yeah I, I i've really tried to lean into that that's awesome yeah and we spend so much time in the painful past or in the anxious future yeah it, it robs us of like the present moment exactly of just, of just being present and experiencing it yeah and i mean like you know it's an imaginary future and a, a curated past yeah totally, you know yeah. because like our memories aren't even accurate you know, we, we know that yeah. like, there's proof that like we choose to remember things in a certain and, way yeah. and piecemeal, yeah. you know, because our brains can't store everything in the way that we can instantly recall upon it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything that we remember is like a curated past and a completely imaginary future. And again, like I know I'm going hard on the stoicism, but, um, <laughs> you good. know, Seneca, like this is probably one of my favorite quotes by him is that we suffer far more in imagination than in reality. So true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we build this world of like, oh, when I have to go and do that, that, you know, blood test, like maybe it's going to be bad news or, oh, like, you know, what if I get that job offer and I have to go and like tell my boss and I'm quitting? Oh, like they're going to yell at me. And it's like you're living for days and weeks or whatever, maybe even months or years of this dread of mm-hmm. this, like I'm suffering for, you know, let's say you get those results back. Like the reality is like you get the results in, in it's one minute of your life that someone's telling you this, or, you know, you tell your boss that you're, you're quitting. And it's like, that conversation is 15 minutes. And even if they yell at you, it's like, sure, that's 15 minutes of discomfort, but you've now spent your whole long weekend leading up to it suffering. Yeah. Needlessly. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like, you know, those are the things that like kind of, um, have really been brought to the forefront of my attention, especially since coming from the woods and, and just like even, you know, what I, what I kind of, you know, think about meditate on right about now is, is, is less so much like a field guide of what I'm going through in a specific moment and like, you know, how I can kind of wrap my head around the fact that like, this is everything. Yeah. Ooh. I think that's a, a nice place to kind of <laughs> park the car. I know. I feel like we could keep going, but <laughs> we, can, we can go forever. I've already realized I'm like, there needs to be a part, part two with Sean Hamilton because oh, we haven't. Sure. We haven't dug into a bunch of things that I want to dig deep into. Yeah, and I know you're the kind of guy that can go deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe we can uh, park this with, um, maybe we can wrap it up with a little um, author's reading of uh, one, of your, one of your field notes and uh, maybe a couple, couple rapid fires and then we'll leave it for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of going deep. Like I, I feel like an in- endurance athlete of of uh of philosophical and yeah. uh and uh you know hard topic conversations you know I, yeah. I love i love you know the deeper we go into the the hard gritty stuff the more i feel um at, at home and just like the the suffering of it you know okay. just like going into it so next time we'll we'll get into it let's do it honestly yeah, yeah we'll That's really so get good. into it yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get the the tissues ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, this is when I was scrolling through when you at the very beginning passed me my book, which is a weird feeling. Um, <laughs> this was the last one that I pulled up. 
um, before we kind of started recording. And so I feel like, you know, um, may as well just do this one. Um, it's called The Perfect Ache. Uh, I remember the run very well. I think this was maybe the second piece that I wrote for the, the, the book. So it definitely wasn't a fully fledged idea of, you know, that it was going to even exist. And it was a short run. Um, it was like the first day that it was really, really cold. I think it was, you know, it was minus seven, but when you're coming from Vancouver and, you know, before that Mexico city and LA, like I really hadn't had a cold day in, in a year and a half. Um, anyway, so it was minus seven and it was windy and, and it was a short run. It was like six or seven kilometers, six kilometers. It says here. Um, and so again, I think it was like after a, a long 16 K 10 mile, uh, run the day before. So it was just like a shake the junk out run. But, uh, I had a lot of time obviously to, to kind of really feel like I was articulating, um, what I wanted to, to write down. And I feel like at that point it kind of shifted to this, I had this voracious appetite for getting to know like the scene and the setting. And, um, in the main cabin where I was staying, there was books on like, you know, the hand loggers guide to Northern BC and like wildflowers of Northern BC and, and, uh, you know, the birds, the provincial birds of, of, uh, you know, and, and the territorial birds. And I just like, I grabbed them all off the shelf and I took them my bunkie and I was just like, Oh my God, like I want to know everything all at once. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to Consumable. download. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where this, this came from. So, um, it sticks out to me now that like, that's a, a big sentiment of wanting to notice, uh, or know, you know, a lot about the, the place that I was. So it's called the perfect ache. Um, I guess I'll just start it off. It feels very strange, but uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Um, I long to know the names of all the trees, wildflowers, and mosses, the freshwater fish, and the provincial birds, the cloud formations and constellations. Ponderosa, hemlock, sickle, and sitka, sturgeon, burbot, perch, and pike, stellar jays, osprey, and sharp-tailed grouse, cirrus, stratus, aquila, and persis. To peer into the crystal ball, the glass orb, cool and delicate. Epilemnon from mountain lake. I yearn to cup it in my hands. A cradle of frozen pine needles, branches creaking under heavy snow. Copper hinges in the north woods, muted by the blanket of winter's long, dense nights. A perfect ache hushed until spring's thaw. I love it. So good. Took me there, man. I'm, I'm at the bunkie. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah, I, and for this one, you know, I, you know, it was true. I wanted to know all the names of the wildflowers, the mosses, you know, the freshwater fish and provincial birds. I wanted to, you know, the epilimnion from a mountain lake, like just something ungraspable. I yeah, wanted to, to hold to it hold and it. grasp it. I and, love that and, image, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I felt very, you know, when I say the cradle of frozen pine needles, um, muted blanket of winter's long dense nights, you know, uh, the, the line, a perfect ache was just something that like the, f that was the first line. It's the last line in the, in, in the work, but, um, it was the first line that I kind of equated to that. Like I said, that juxtaposition, that duality of like, this is so beautiful and this is so hard. Yeah. And it was this perfect like ache. That's mm -hmm. the only way to describe it. I felt was just like this ache that necessarily wasn't, that's why I, I called it a perfect ache. Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, uh, plays off each other, but I found that I, I, I didn't feel like it was bad necessarily. Like an ache is, is 
something that mostly is associated with being bad and painful, but it was just so fitting yeah. being in this, this beautiful place, but lonely, yeah. but in awe, but yeah. Like ache in the confused. sense of longing. Yeah. 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 And, and like again, that. yeah, you know, I, I long to cup it in my hands. Like I wanted to put some box it in parameters around it. But again, like that's kind of what makes it what it is that you can't. You can't. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. So good. <laughs> Yes. Just like, I wish that we could keep going and have this conversation yeah. flow through all the things, but <laughs> we, bro- well, I know we could. But I we- know you've got another book out that we wanted to touch on today, but yeah. I think when, when that comes to, to comes out for the world to yeah. experience, maybe we can have you back on yeah. to jam on. Yeah, uh, I would love that. It's, it's uh, going to be again, one of those things where, you know, I take the time yeah. and, and feel like I've learned a lot from this yeah. and that, you know, my biggest thing was like, I need to get this all out and, and edit it in such a concise manner that I don't lose the sentiment of, of what I felt here. Yeah. So with this, it's a little bit more, you know, less field notes. It's not centered around any run specifically or any day specifically. It's very much more uh, aligned with philosophical feelings of yeah. feelings of wanting to connect um, of feelings of, again, like what matters and what doesn't to me and, and as the greater whole um so i want to take that time and you know this is the first time that i'm kind of have a few different eyes on it and editing and and Mm -hmm. um you know curating the design of it a little bit more and 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 how it's going to live i'm not even sure um again like how it gets put out who puts it out um where it lives how it lives uh in what form just yet but the, the rough v1 collection of this second chap book um is is in the can cool so yeah the next one we can, we can chat excited. about it. and it's gonna be called heaven is here Oof. nice you shared a little teaser i think on your insta story one day or whatever yeah. and i was like wow that yeah. looks amazing yeah heaven yeah it kind of speaks to so much that you're just jamming on to like totally you know the yeah. the past and the in the present and the yeah. future yeah amazing yeah yeah it was either that or uh caught quietly in the chaos of life but i felt that was a little wordy mm-hmm. and that's a line from one of them um that's nice too. but yeah i think heaven is here is a little bit more succinct and a little more fitting with, with the sentiments shared in it so i love it i think a, it's a great title eventually. yeah should we drop a couple rapid fires and then we'll let's uh, do a couple and then on the plane yep okay all right um you know you're obviously a well-read individual books are a part of your life you know if you travel the world and those are your your possessions are books and records and mm-hmm. and whatnot uh one question we've asked a lot of our guests so far um, if you, if there's one book that you can, you know, gift a dozen friends, mm. what book would that be? Could be two or three books in your yeah. case. If you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I would, I would package deal it. I would, I would do, um, just because we talked about them today, they're top of mind probably, but right off the top of my head, a good, a guide to the good life by William B. Irvine. Yeah. Um, any collection of Mary Oliver works, um, it's, yeah, I couldn't pick one. Cool. Um, <laughs> and then I would say, yeah, because it's top of mind again, Dog Stars by Peter Heller, just okay. because I feel like that rounds out, you know, a fiction piece, a yeah. uh, piece of poetry, and then uh, a more like self-directed study and, and philosophy-based piece. Awesome. Um, those would be the three. Cool. Cool. What's your uh, Desert Island or Bunky, bunky Retreat uh, record? Oh, that's a tough, that's a really tough one. Um, I would say 
it's really tough, but I would have to pick if we're talking bunky, like cabin in the woods, it'd be different than desert because right. vibe, right? Yeah. Vibe as, as a former music supervisor for, yeah. for TV and film, it's all scene and setting and vibe. Yeah. But if we're talking bunky, um, yeah, I, I think it'd have to be, uh, again, top of mind. It, it, it's, uh, evening hymns. Okay. Um, yeah. It's spectral it. dusk just because it's top of mind. And That's, I mean, like I just have such a strong connection with it. You lived it. Yeah yeah, 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 and I mean, like, there's lines in it that just, like, I'll let you lie down in my mind and, like, just, like, stuff like that that just, like, uh, that sticks out that I'm just like, oh, this is so much connected with just this solitude and this ache and this longing that, yeah, it's it's that. So cool. Love it. It's great. No, and it's Canadian. So. Yeah, even Bonus. better. Yeah. Bonus. Favorite, uh, favorite plant-based. We talked a lot about what's good for us. Favorite plant-based junk food when you just need something treat what do you go for uh it wouldn't even be specifically plant-based but like oh man if i can get chips and hummus yeah there like, you go. and also this is like a well uh, i mean i'm probably not the first person to do this but if you get some like ruffles or like <laughs> like uh kettle chips yes. with hummus yeah. like not even like tortilla chips like i'm a sucker for tortilla chips oh, but yeah. like but like a ruffle yeah. chip with hummus is your dip lights out that's like it i could i could that in cereal okay, um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the dude that like I love if i haven't gone grocery too. shopping i'll just go get like a thing of oat milk and cereal and i could eat a box of cereal and i'm like that's dinner <laughs> what's your go-to cereal uh ooh, that's tough um i would say if i had to pick one I don't really love like junk cereal. Yeah. So like, like just right. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, even, even like, uh, like a rice krispies or like a multigrain yeah. Cheerios, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. kind of on the sweeter I, side, yeah. Yeah. but like, yeah, no, like those are like my bag. Not like, I wouldn't go like, Lucky Captain charms, Crunch, or, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'd mess with some Lucky Charms and some Captain Crunch, but I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. like. That's not like what you're grabbing. Totally. Yeah. I, some some nights, it's for me. It's like uh, feeling hungry. Whatever, want a little snack. It's just like the big bowl of Ooh. raisin bran. Oh yeah, raisin <laughs> bran. Raisin bran and oat milk is like. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's. Mini wheats are up there too. Heaven is here. Yeah, heaven is here <laughs> in that <laughs> in that box in that of <laughs> raisin bran. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Post run smoothie. What's your what's in your mix? Okay, it is spinach, yep. chard, uh, sometimes kale, um, chia seeds, pumpkin nice. seeds, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, hemp hearts, yeah. uh, a little bit of oat milk, some water, some MCT oil, yeah. um, some ashwagandha, Ooh, yeah. um, and then bananas and mangoes and sometimes some pineapple. That's like a nice sound and smoothie. That's yeah. Sound right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> I always do like a smoothie bowl now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll take that cereal, aforementioned cereal, and yeah. I'll put it on top of it. Yes. Lucky charms, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Raisin ran at most. Yeah. So the raisins get hard in the cold it's smoothie. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that's one. a big one. And then like some coconut shavings on top or something. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice thing. Add that one to the menu at Juice Truck. There we go. Sean yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Do you want to do, you want to bring in the closing question? You know the one. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One? So we ask this to a lot of our guests, um, especially when we know that they'll probably have like a really good answer to it. So no, no pressure. pressure, no pressure. Yeah. But uh, obviously, our pod we call it a little more good with the intention of that's what we want to create through our conversations mm-hmm. and the connections in the community that we're we're building, which is fantastic. But uh, if we could get you to reflect on what what does that mean to you? What does being doing creating a little more good mean to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel it comes back to, again, like those intangibles, like the non-metric-driven feelings. Um, but I think it's just, I mean, it starts with the responsibility to yourself. Um, again, with that, you know, for me, that intention of year to year, like check in or, you know, every few months like that, get up early and reflect. But I think, you know, we get so caught up in, in the wave of like, well, if, you know, if I do this, it doesn't matter. Like, because it, I'm one in 8 billion people and, you know, my decision doesn't affect the world, but your, your decisions affect those around you, affect those around you. And it's obviously that ripple. So I feel like starting with yourself a little more good really has to start in house. Um, and the more that you implement these things, I think it actually really stems down to, and it's funny cause we just spent time talking about it and I like talking about it, but the reality of it is, is like the actions, you know, again, they're your only possessions. And, and that really stems into that little more good. And to me, a little more good is, is demanding that of yourself mm. and other people will notice other people will see that, oh, you're, you're making this change or you've done this or like you seem so grounded or, oh, this crazy wild thing happened to you or this really hard thing happened and you made something good out of it. They start to see it through the actions and I feel as much as it's great to talk and spread it, um, the a little more good, you know, starts really fully in-house in your actions and, and demanding that or not even demanding but asking that of yourself to whatever you're going to say that you're you're doing or that you think should be done or how a life should be led or, or viewpoint should be shared. You kind of have to be doing it internally for a a fair amount of time first and foremost. And I think that's where it kind of really hits home for me. Awesome. So good, man. I love that. Good. Sean, you're full of wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're full of uh, adventure and uh, yeah. Thank you for your time. Mm -hmm. It was an honor just to sit here and, and kind of take in the conversation and, the visual journey that um, you know some of your journeys uh, create. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll definitely have you back on. We're gonna hit you up for uh, for a run. So yes, yeah. yes, I would love and welcome all of that again. Um, this is just a wonderful experience. Awesome. And again, just to chat with you know, not even like minded, but just obviously we are like minded. But to chat with open minded people yeah. and have and have a, a dialogue. And I know a lot of the times it's interviewee interviewer but it doesn't feel that way when i look you know across the table and and it's just like oh man we could just wrap on this forever so thank you guys yeah uh, i can't wait to do it again awesome man thank you so much thank you peace all right i feel like i need to go for a run yes write some poetry honestly like going to the forest yeah that's the thing for me that one of the takeaways is like you can you know you have this different and even sean talked about like different stages of life but uh, there's part of me that's like, oh man, a solitude retreat. Yes. Like selfishly, I, I get it. But there's something that's so good. There's something that would be so rejuvenating and renewing around that. Um, and just being in nature, yes. right? Like to be able to go for a run and notice the water, the fish, the birds, and just be really intentional about your surroundings and stuff and have the only thing in front of you be like, okay, what do I need yeah. for today? Whew yourself and like that's you know ultimately what do we have for our whole life we've got ourselves so what better thing to invest in to to work on to develop you know it's just me myself and i yeah right yeah well and it's interesting too i mean 
how you, how we all are able to show up in the world. Yeah. Um, a lot of that depends on like, how are we filling, how are we filling ourselves up and what are the good things that we're entering into or the, the distractions, the things that we need to like maybe step back from a little bit. For sure. So it doesn't have to be like, go live in a bunkie for, yeah. <laughs> for a month or whatever, but maybe, maybe there's an intentional retreating from certain aspects of life, right? Yeah. Like, okay. At 8 PM, I'm like turning off my phone or Instagram, or I'm not doing the social media yeah. for this week. Right. Or whatever. But anyway, there's so many things that came out of that that I think are good yeah. points beyond, you know, going for good runs and oh, yeah can you say the name of the book again for those uh yes for those that listen so they can find it at long distance i believe yeah you can check it out uh if you go uh on instagram at it's me sean hamilton and it's s-e-a-n sean uh you can see on his profile there's a link to to long distance where you can get the book and the book it's a beautiful title running through the woods the river gently on my mind Oof. so good so good and zach you got it you got it for me you actually got a copy for me for my birthday and it was just really cool it was a very thoughtful gift along with the long distance mag um and yeah the poetry in it is awesome it's kind of like a it well, was he said like a, a journal and training log and observations turned into this like field beautiful. notes meets yeah poetry so good so really cool we hope you enjoyed that conversation uh give sean a follow he's a great dude He's up to cool stuff and uh, hope for future conversations and collaborations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dark starts. I loved, uh, Yeah. you know, whether that's a run for you, I think dark starts can be whatever you want them to be. That can be, you know, your time to meditate, your time to journal, your time to, you know, self-reflect, your time to go to the gym, your time to walk the dog. I think dark starts can be symbolic for just like, investing in yourself yeah it doesn't have to be a 5 a.m run it can be your dark start can be whatever you want it to be honestly like since that conversation i've been waking up just kind of organically earlier and um not as a result of it or anything but just it's just so happened and typically like when i'd wake up i'd like look at my watch or whatever and be like oh okay i got like i can go back to sleep for another hour and now since since our conversation about like in, in the dark starts mentality i was like no i'm just gonna get up yeah. I'm going to get up. And even if I, maybe I'm productive, maybe I get something done ahead of time, like a task that I wanted to do later in the day. It might be as simple as like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to like, just, you know, boil my water, drink my four sigmatic. And it's going to be like this leisurely bonus hour of being awake, not really having any expectation to do anything or to be anything or to be on or anything. And uh, it's been awesome. So now it's like the days where I kind of, you know, sleep later and wake up you know, either just before my alarm or whatever it is, I feel like I've missed out, right? Yeah. But it's uh, so good. So good. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, if you enjoyed, um, you know, we're, we're grateful and we appreciate uh, if uh, for anybody that likes, subscribes, reviews, you know, share it with a friend, um, share it on your social, you know, we're grateful. That's a, that's a big way for us to be able to continue to, share the message that we're trying to put out there with a little more good mm -hmm. and continue to do what we love to do here. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, send it to a friend, click a little like, write a little review. You're the best. We love you. Appreciate you. And we'll see you guys next week for a little more good. Peace. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.